the greatest love story ever told. Romeo. Sweet Juliet. Was missing a chapter. Mine. Now streaming. Meet Romeo's ex, Rosalind. So you're going to break them up? Of course I am. The love story you know. Romeo and Juliet. Doesn't even sound right. The ex you don't. We just need to stop a wedding. My boyfriend is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. It's your boyfriend's wedding. Ouch. Blow me. Caitlin Deaver is Rosalind. Rated PG-13. Now streaming only on Hulu. There and who else is joining us? Brazelhoff. Hey, Christoph, how you doing? Been a while. Nice to see you back. And who else is here? Well, let's take a look. Bigfoot, Michigan, Rob. And uh, yeah, what color headband do you got on tonight? Let us know. Uh, Derek S. Welcome to SOR Chat. Hi, Asteroid. Good to see you. Science Melinda. Thanks for coming on in. And Robert Steers again. Hello, Dr. Robert. Uh, thanks for adding me on Facebook. Uh, we'll get you hooked up with Science Bob as well. And who else do we have here? Penman. There you go. And I'll ask that in hour two there, Doug Shelby. Be the Arrow. Nice to see you. This is my story. Welcome to SOR Chat. And E.T. E-Talkin. E-Talkin. How are you? Welcome. All right, uh, Ivan, welcome back. Tokeland, good to see you. Uh, Kai Waikini, hi, welcome to SOR Chat. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Serena DeFalco, welcome to SOR Chat. We do things a little bit differently here, peeps. We are a live radio show, so there will be commercial breaks, and uh, I'm not going to get to the rest of the people here. I will say hello in the chat room, but for right now, horns up, let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Fantastic show of all cryptids coming at you tonight. Robin McRae is talking some Bigfoot and communication. In Hour 3, Swamp Dweller takes us to the Appalachia. Super Duke is here for the Cryptid Report. I've got the Dave 101. Shirky Poo has the news. Robin McRae, you've recognized her on this show before. In short form... Filling in for Super Duke on World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. 
Well, she is the assistant director of the International Hominology of Forest People. The organization headed by Dr. Igor Burtsev. Robin has had interaction with Sasquatch since she was four years old and has been a guest at numerous Bigfoot conferences all around the world. She is a founding member of the North American Sasquatchers Alliance and has appeared on many television and radio shows, including this one right here, which is one of her favorites. Robin also loves to get out in the woods, do field investigation when the situation warrants. And this is why we love having her here. Robin McRae, you are one of the best when it comes to Sasquatch. We love you around here. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thank you. You always make me feel so welcome. I love it here. You guys are just the best. Well, we love you I around have more here, fun. too. We do. You're so sweet. Well, you know, we try. We try. And every time we <laughs> every time we bring you on, Robin, we do have new listeners who may be listening to you for the first yeah. time. And, you know, whether it's in Radio Land or on YouTube or our podcast format, you know, for you, you have had interaction with Sasquatch since you were four years old. This is a lifelong experience for you. What happened when you were four? Well, it was actually before I was four because when my mom has told me stories for years about when I was just learning how to talk, I would talk about my imaginary friends, which she thought was imaginary, and I would describe the Sasquatch and the Dogmen to her. When I was four, I had my first uh, UFO abduction that I remembered, and at that time they had told me they had already taken me before that. So I just never knew that this wasn't what normal people had in their lives, you know what I mean? Um, when I was four, I would, you know, ride my little bike to the end of our road, which wasn't far at all, and they would come out of the tree line and they would watch me, you know, and we had, there was a creek down there, and then when we had moved to the next house we lived at, it was just solid woods, and they would come out no matter where I was at, and then when I was home, they'd be looking in the windows, and you know, it was just part of my normal it wasn't what everybody's normal was, but I thought it was normal. Excellent. And so, yeah, that was just my life at the time. So for you, you know, seeing these big hairy creatures coming out of the forest to look at you, I mean, didn't that scare you as a child? It didn't because I didn't know any different. Like maybe if I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, and I had spent all of that time not having them around to have them suddenly pop up, then maybe it would have. But this is how I grew up. Like, I didn't know that I was supposed to be scared. That doesn't mean that throughout my life there hasn't been times that they've scared me. That doesn't mean that at all. I mean, I'm human. They've, they've scared me before. But for the most part, you know, daylight time, it doesn't scare me or frighten me at all. The only time they've ever really freaked me out is there was a time that, because I didn't know any better, like I did this most of my life by myself, and they would come and they'd pound on the window, they wanted me outside, and I would go out at 2 in the morning, and I'd go out, you know, I didn't want to take a flashlight and offend them, so I would simply go out in my pajamas, and I'd go out in the yard, or I'd go out in the woods, and I'd sit down, and they would walk around me, and I didn't mind that, because I could see them, but if I tried to walk through the woods at all, and it was pitch dark, and I didn't have a flashlight, they would cloak and they'd come up behind me and put their hand on my shoulder or they'd pat the back of my hair. And that would startle me because I couldn't see them. 
you know, it was dark, so I couldn't see anything coming. You know, daylight, I, it doesn't bother me as much. It's when I can't see, but I'm like that with anything. I, I'm not afraid of the dark, but I don't like not being able to see what's coming towards me. You know, I deal with not only the forest people, but I deal with the dogmen and the cat people and the ETs and dimensionals and elemental. I deal with all the different cryptids. And while I can read their energy to kind of tell who's who, I, you know, obviously it's a much more pleasant experience if I can see who's coming up. Well, of course, I think that's safe to say that's for anybody, you know. Yeah. We, we always want to know. Oh, yeah. You know, what's approaching us and what what's not. At what point in your life did you realize that you could psychically communicate with Sasquatch? I think I was probably... I, realistically, I'm, and I'm guessing, I'm trying to remember back, like by the time I was 10 and 12, I realized nobody else was getting what I was getting. You know, I'd asked my mom and dad when I was four and five years old about the Sasquatch and they didn't know anything about it and nothing was out in the books yet. Patterson Gimlin happened in 68. I was born in 64. So there really wasn't anything out yet, and they were kind about it. They just said, you know, we don't have anything to reference to be able to help you with this. We don't know what this is. So they just assumed it was an imaginary friend, you know. And then I was always psychic, so I would get premonitions, and I would know things before I was told them. And this would happen, and I would notice that why was I getting this information before people would tell me? And that seemed odd to me. But I think by the time I hit 10 and 12, I really became more aware of it. And I just kind of stayed silent about it because nobody else was talking about it. I was the only one that, you know, mentioned it other than people would look at me and say, well, why do you know that? And I was like, okay, I'm kind of like the resident weirdo, you know. <laughs> so hey. I just kind of, you know, went with it. Hey, we'll take a weirdo around here at any time. <laughs> Anytime, you, you know, one thing that I, I'm going to admit to here, and I've told you this before, but I'll say to our audience, when Duke Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio, Super Duke, was telling me that you communicated with Sasquatch, yeah. I was, I, I rolled my eyes. I completely I <laughs> rolled my eyes like, come on, this is exactly what we do not need in this field is someone who's saying they are psychically connected yep. to to the creature and duke just kept on promoting you and promoting you and promoting your your <laughs> intensive work and so i figured that i would try it and i will tell you that uh, for people who don't understand what robin does in her communication with sasquatch you're going to learn here in, in in just a few minutes how good she really is. And I am 100% a believer in uh, what, what you do you. now. And thank you for, you know, usually I give people the benefit of the doubt. But for some reason, Robin, I didn't want to because it just sounded too far-fetched for me. And I deal with a lot mm -hmm. of woo on a daily basis. I really do. And, yeah. and, and, you know, my woo limit is pretty high. But this, you know, you communicating with Sasquatch just really, really kind of, uh, let's just say, it made me question the reality of what's going on. And you It makes me question my sanity. <laughs> well, no, not so much your sanity, but what you're, what you're, 
uh, what was your reasoning behind it? Okay, were you doing this for to build your own name, or or what could, oh, no. it, could it be? Mm-hmm. But but I'm going to tell everybody right now, Robin is the real deal. She really is. I have put Robin through a couple of tests here over the last few months, and every time she comes up five <laughs> stars. Yeah, she comes up five stars every time. And you were one of the most lovely, as I've got to know you, you were one of the most lovely people in this field. You really are. And, yeah. and you're, you're candid, you're honest, you, you know, you, you do your best. You never say you're going to be a hundred percent, you know, and you, you no, know, and you're somebody who will say, Hey, if you don't want to take my word for it, don't, but yeah. you keep proving yourself. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. You are so sweet. The thing about it is I never set out to do any of this. I, I didn't. And I stayed quiet until, oh, my gosh, I was like 40. The only people that knew anything about it were a few very close friends. And all they really knew was that I was getting premonitions. And, you know, I had helped somebody find their children. And I had seen a couple of people that had gotten murdered. And I knew who did it, how it happened, the whole ball of wax, but because it was premonitions. But I really kept, as far as the communication, like with the animals and the cryptids and the ETs, I, I really didn't say a lot about it because who in the world's going to believe me? You know, so I didn't. I stayed quiet about it. And it only started coming out more that because I had met Igor. And then when I talked to Igor, I told him strictly flesh and blood stuff. And then he saw the evidence at my home. And so when that happened, he had me go to Russia. I came back and I still was not hitting the paranormal stuff. And I think I got to the point where I just said, you know what? It is what it is. I am who I am. I don't gain anything by coming forward. In fact, I get more ridicule, I think, probably than anything else. And that's okay. And I always tell everybody, you don't have to believe me. All I can tell you is what they tell me. If it's not right, don't shoot the messenger. Okay? I'm just telling you what I'm being told. And then when I met Duke through Igor, I found out two years later, Duke vetted me for like two years and never even told me. Which, you know, I don't care. That's fine. You know, I've had people try to play games. You know, we had um, a really bad situation recently where a gentleman sent a picture that he had hoaxed into a friend of ours. And then our friend sent the picture to us and wanted anything picked out of it. Well, there was an energy signature in it. And my husband told him, you know, this is what the signature signature is. Well, he had hoaxed the photo. So the photo that he had in the picture he had in it was fake, but that wasn't where the energy signature was. And so even when cloaked, you can get an energy signature there. And I do energy work. So it was really, really easy to find that energy signature. And he's like, oh, you made it up. and Whatever. That's fine. You know, I don't ask for people to believe me. The only thing I can do at the end of the day is tell them what I get. You know, if that works for them and their beliefs, then that's okay. I don't try to force it on anybody. I tell everybody I'm not perfect. I don't believe in experts. I think that I may have a million experiences, but that doesn't take away from one experience that somebody else has because it's all part of the bigger picture. It's all part of the puzzle. And I feel personally that it's all just as valuable. Nobody is more important than the next person. 
And so that's just the way I look at it. And, you know, I tell everybody, question things. You should question things. Mm-hmm. You know, a, I don't okay. have a problem with that as long as it's done kindly. It's very much okay to ask questions. It's very much okay to Absolutely. be skeptical. You know, and, and, you know, but on the flip side, you also have to admit when someone is right, you have to admit that they are right. Yeah. And like the quote I put on just before I removed it from my buddy Mark, you know, I mean, you blew his mind with with what you were describing. <laughs> he was so sweet. You were describing exactly what we saw. And, yeah. you know, and, and for people who don't know, uh, there were four of us who had a Sasquatch encounter this past Saturday night uh, near my gifting site. And we're going to get into that more in the next half hour because, Robin, uh, as soon as we got into uh, cell phone service, the first person I contacted was Robin. Are you awake? Are you awake? Can I call you? We saw him. We saw him. You know, and uh, and we're going to get into that because she's a part of this. She is a part of this adventure. And and uh, I'm I'm so happy you came along for the ride, Robin, and answered the phone. Oh, I was. I was so excited that you had called. I have to be honest, I really was thrilled because you and I have talked about your gifting site and things that went on there before. So it wasn't like I wasn't aware of what was going on. And I've talked to the ones there. And at at one point I was talking to Duke and we were, you know, just commenting nothing good or bad or indifferent. And I said something, either he had mentioned your name or I had mentioned your name, not in a derogatory way at all. And a female popped up and said, let him know I had the baby. I had a little girl. And she was like all excited. She wanted you to know she had this little girl. And I said to Duke, I said, if you talk to him before I do, let him know there's now a little girl. And and they've had her out in the woods. He's like, okay. And they were showing me, they show me images as well. And she's adorable. Oh my God, she's so cute. And so I told him, I said, let Dave know. And he's like, okay. So then I had talked to you and I told you, you know, and and we chat on and off besides what's on the show, you know. And so I was aware of the whole gifting area and I was laying in bed watching TV and it was like midnight, I think, 12, 12, 12, 30, because I'm three hours ahead of you guys. When you sent the message, are you awake? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and the first thing I'm thinking of, okay, are you okay? Because I get calls one, two, three o'clock in the morning with people that are in actual trouble too. So, and I always try to take them and I said, yeah, are you all right? And you're like, yeah, can I call you? And I'm like, yeah. So uh, yeah, I was real geeked up. I was so excited. I was as excited as you were. So I felt so honored and blessed that you called me. It was, it was quite an experience, you know, and there was stuff happening around us all night. You know, one of the things I want to do to lead up to this story, Robin, is really give the fact that, you know, energy, if you can, all of us have been in that situation where Mm -hmm. we feel energy, okay? Right. Whether it's positive, whether it's negative. And, you know, one of the things that I used to work for for a building where uh, I had a real negative boss. And when I got within five miles of my job, Uh, because I was commuting to my job site. When I got within about Mm -hmm. five miles, 
I could literally feel the energy on what kind yeah. of day it was going to be. And it wasn't just me. It was other uh, employees that I worked with as well that would pick up on the negativity that the minute we walk in that office, we are going to get our asses chewed out. And mm-hmm. and it, that's exactly what would happen uh, more times than not. And, you know, we it, it's kind of scary to build up to something along those lines. And a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, we had a situation out there where the energy, the minute we turned onto the, our, our logging road to go up to our site, the energy just shifted. And it was the, some of the most negative, uh, scary mm-hmm energy that we felt let's talk about the energy for a moment here when going into an area Mm -hmm. you know i mean how much do we need to be paying attention to this an extreme amount and i think anybody that has contacted me or and not everybody that contacts me i mean let's be clear not everybody needs help a lot of times they just need somebody to talk to that's going to listen And then maybe offer, not even necessarily advice, but just say, okay, well, you might, you know, you could do this or you could do that. So, but anybody that's talked to me, the first thing I really emphasize to people is the energy. You, if you're going to be in this field of research with any of the cryptids, any of the ETs, MindSpeak, any of that, you have got to learn for your own protection. You have to learn how to read energy. Okay. Your body is automatically going to read it. Now you've got to train your mind to read it. When you go into an area, if it feels unsettling to you, you know, a lot of people just ignore it and keep on doing their thing. You can't do that. That's something trying to get across to you as a subtle warning. This is not where you need to be. You're too close for my comfort. You're not wanted here. Respect what you're getting. Turn around and leave. Go back another day. There's nothing wrong with going back another day. But if you walk in and it feels peaceful and warm and loving, then you know you're being accepted into that area. And what happens is people are so, at times, and I'm not saying everybody, so don't take it that way. Some people are so thrilled by the fact that they just want contact that they don't actually honor what they read. They'd rather have negative experiences than positive just because that way they get the experience. But what they're not understanding is that negative experience will stop you from having any more. The greatest love story ever told. Romeo. Sweet Juliet. Was missing a chapter. Mine. Now streaming. Meet Romeo's ex, Rosalind. So you're going to break them up? Of course I am. The love story you know. Romeo and Juliet. Doesn't even sound right. The ex you don't. We just need to stop a wedding. My boyfriend is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. It's your boyfriend's wedding. Ouch. Blow me. Caitlin Deaver is Rosalind. Rated PG-13. Now streaming only on Hulu. It's truly amazing to understand how all of this works. Because a lot of us tend to become overwhelmed with what the earth has to offer. And not what God has to give. Hey everyone, this is Quentin, and I'm the host of the Truth Tales Podcast. Did this message resonate with you? I would like to invite everyone to come listen to the Truth Tales Podcast on all streaming platforms, where you will learn, be inspired, and hear truth from my life, as well as the lives of my amazing guests. That's all you're going to get after that, is negative experiences. If you can get a positive experience, like what you had the other night, that will carry over a lifetime. And with them, word of mouth spreads really well. 
And if you want to continue having those experiences, you want the positive. And to do that, not only do you have respect, you read that energy. You know, a lot of people say, oh, they, they attacked us, they did this, okay? Did they physically harm you? Nine out of ten times, they say no. Okay, what did they do? Well, they threw their arms up in the air, they yelled, okay? Trying to get you to understand you're not supposed to be there. But you could have probably picked up the energy from that long before that happened, where you would have known not to go there. Now, there are bad ones, and there's good ones, just like with our people. They're a type of people. They're an ancient type of people. They're not our people, but they are a people. And so you can really save yourself a lot of headache and trauma if you react to the energy. What you did was absolutely perfect. You had called me and you said, look, I've gone into this place a couple of times. I'm getting this really bad vibe there. The energy isn't good there. And you were smart and you left the area. Exactly what you should have done. And because you did, when you went back this last time, you felt positive energy. And look what happened. Oh, very true. Very true. You know, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, going back to when that negative energy, three of us felt three different things. I was feeling mm-hmm. a lot of alien energy to the point where I was seeing mm-hmm. alien grays everywhere in pareidolia, you know, and it, it was the weirdest thing because I would look in a tree, you know, in my headlights and it would look like there was a an alien gray standing behind that tree. And then, you know, you pull up to the tree and there's nothing there. It's just the branches, the way they, they curve up to make what looks mm-hmm. to be eyes. And, and, you know, even all the way up there, Mark was feeling very heavy. You know, uh, my partner was feeling very heavy, uh, and very negative. And, and Mark doesn't have a lot of experience with, with aliens. So, I mean, he was just feeling what he was able to feel and, and it just did not feel right. We got about 30 seconds. But even if you don't know how to distinguish whether or not it's the aliens, if it's the Sasquatch, if it's the dogman, even aside from that, that will come with time. But you can tell whether it's good or bad. Your body will react to that energy before your mind will. Just trust what you're picking up. Oh, I I fully agree with that. Robin, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we're going to get into... Saturday Night Sasquatch. What did we see here in British Columbia on Saturday night? Including my little boy. (laughs) We'll be back with more Sasquatch talk when we return. (laughs) All right, we're clear. Yeah, that energy has a lot to do with everything. Oh, yeah. Holy cow, we got a lot of people watching so far. Good. That's always a good thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Wanted to check something. I don't want to pronounce his name wrong, and I've got the pronunciation of his name right, and I don't want to mess it up and tick him off. Do, 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 do. But 
thought I had. Eh, that was about the baby. Okay, yeah, Moloch. I got it right. Moloch. Yeah, he is a sweetheart. He really was very kind. He's, he's kind of stoic, but he was actually quite nice. Well, we'll get into that. You just hold on to that thought. We'll get into that here <laughs> momentarily. And then we will be able to move forward. <laughs> that was a fun time, though. Absolutely. It was awesome. And I have to thank you for including me in on it because I loved it. Well, that's good. That's good because we, um, we, uh, you know, I was just so excited to, to make that phone call, to be blunt. Oh, I was thrilled. Felt good to actually. But it was funny because I just talked to Duke about the female with the baby and that they were starting to get more mobile in there, you know, and I thought I knew that if you would just hold off a couple weeks and let all ETs get out of there, because I knew it was ETs, because I could pick up the energy that was definitely an alien. And that that's what they were talking about. They were talking about the visitors from the other planets that were there. And once they cleared out, they were back to being, you know, up front again. Yeah, I don't bl- uh I don't believe uh I don't disregard I should say exactly what you're saying. I'm trying to figure out what dirty filth is making. Oh, me too. Me I too. love his stuff though. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. It's like the Christmas package. You can't wait when it's done cuz it's like opening it up so you can see what it is. <laughs> and we have a big golden retriever jumping at the window trying to get outside to mom I knew he would that's why I came out here he's like 8 months old and the size of a Shetland pony oh wow big guy Oh, he's massive. He's huge. He's absolutely massive. And he thinks he's the size of a chihuahua. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Okay, we've got about uh, I got, just under two minutes. I got told today from one of my neighbors they wanted me to be on the lookout for a cougar that's moving around here. Well, I already knew that because we had three foot show up with it a couple of years ago. So I already knew the cougar was around. He's like, also the guy up the road saw a black bear. So look out for the black bear. And I'm like, I mean, I'm in the Midlands in South Carolina. They're up way up, you know, high, but they're not usually in the Midlands. It could be a black bear, but there's so many of the forest people running around. It's easily, it could be one of them as well. All right. We got one minute. I want to say uh, thank you to all of our new listeners uh, tuning on in and in our chat room tonight. Do not forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. 
thumbs sideways. Hi, life is good. Super chat is open. Hi, Boz Monster. Amy, uh, super chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. We really do appreciate it. Gordium, how you doing? Welcome back. And who am I missing? Hi, Andy's Tarot. How are you in Australia? How's tomorrow looking? Give us an idea. And uh, let's see. Am I missing anybody? No, we are all caught up. And, uh, yeah, don't forget, mark it on your calendar, May 19th through 21st. We are heading back to Las Vegas, Nevada for the second annual SOR Fan Party at the Golden Nugget Casino in the old Las Vegas Strip. We did it last earlier this year. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal time. We want all of you to join us again. We'll have more details coming very soon. Here we go. Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, we got all of your archives for free. Go to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read. Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the Sasquatch Talk tonight. Our good friend Robin McRae is here tonight. And let's break this down, Robin, because on Saturday, this past Saturday, my good friends Mike Bark, my son was out there as well, we had an encounter with a Sasquatch and it was big, 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 big. When we headed up there, when we headed up there, you could tell the energy was very curious. It wasn't scary. Mm -hmm. It wasn't daring. It wasn't, uh, you know, something that, that to be anxious about. It was just very curious. We started off, we built a, we built a, um, a bonfire in in the dirt, you know, because we have this area that it's safe from all the uh, trees and everything like that where we could build a safe bonfire. And we were just kind of hanging out, have some warmth. It was, a, it was a beautiful sky out. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was hard to see the satellites because it was the day before the full moon. The moon was literally ripping its light right through the trees. And one thing I learned from Mark that night was the fact that, you know, when you have that much moonlight for nocturnal animals, the way their eyes are, it's like daylight 24 mm-hmm. seven. And it, I never really knew that until Mark had brought that up. And long story short, we were there about an hour and then Mark off in the distance heard a little crack and he was like hey did you hear that and i'm like no and we kind of walked to the front of where our trucks were and he shined our flashlights and that's where we saw the creature standing there yeah and we saw the pointy head 
We saw the big shoulders. We saw the torso. Didn't see anything else because there's there's a, a, a dirt knoll that kind of separates. Yeah. And this was right around the dirt knoll. And our buddy Mike all of a sudden starts walking towards us and says, hurry up, we got something over here. So Mike hurries up. You know, you kind of turn and the flashlight turns off the area. Mike then brings his flashlight up. And we got the flashlights up and the creature is now kneeling or crouching down. We could see yeah. the back. We could see the back, but that was it. And as we're kind of looking around, you know, is that it? Because you're questioning yourself. This is about 100 yards away. And you're questioning yourself, mm -hmm. am I actually seeing what I'm seeing? And, you know, you start putting your flashlight all around. And the next thing you know, you go back to the original spot, and it's gone. It's gone. And we're like, <laughs> damn it. You know, but for that 30 seconds, 40 seconds, we were staring at a Sasquatch. Now, Mark mm -hmm. really didn't believe it because he doesn't believe uh, anything exists. No, I'm teasing. I know he's listening right now. <laughs> but seriously, he was like, what was that? Was that a bear? And he, Mark, as I've said on this show before, is an absolute genius when it comes to the forest. He's been charged by bears. He knows every footprint that's out there. He knows his knowledge of the forest is impeccable. His knowledge of safety in the forest is second to none. You know, he's been an animal tracker. He's been a hunting guide. He's been hunting since childhood. You know, and I mean, for, you know, for the guy being, you, you know, older than me and, and much less hair, you know, he, he's done a good job out there. He's done a very good job. And, and, you know, when my son and I go out with him into the forest, I never have to worry. Okay, because I'm yeah. still learning. I'm damn near 50, and I'm still learning. I, uh, you know, I, I'm still on level one of forest safety, whereas Mark is a grandmaster. And yeah, and the, the point that I'm getting at is Mark's going through the Rolodex of animals in his head of what it could be because he just doesn't want to hop out and say we saw a Sasquatch. But it really wasn't until afterwards when we got on the phone with you that he was i think <laughs> starting to believe that we saw what we saw because here you are wherever the hell you are in the united states and you know i think you're in michigan or some <laughs> wisconsin or somewhere no i'm in south carolina right now i'm going back to michigan yeah, okay. as soon as i find land okay so the point that i'm getting at is this is you you blew our minds which was kind of cool. But after we had this situation with this Sasquatch, we knew we were being watched. We, we're, pretty, mm -hmm. we're pretty intuitive where we know when we're being watched. And then way off in the distance, about 20 minutes later, we hear this, woo! Just like, right, like Ric Flair outside the wrestling ring. Okay, right in the dead forest. And there's nobody around us, okay? There's nobody camping. We're 20 kilometers or, you know, 15 miles into the forest. Yes, it's yeah. hunting season, but there's nobody in that area where we were. 
There's no fresh tire tracks. There, you know, that's one of the things we check for. When we go in, we're checking for tire tracks. We're checking for for footprints of both humans and animals, you know, alike. And and we we just knew we were alone out there. And then mm-hmm. ab- about 10, 15 minutes after that first woo, woo, again, from way deep in the trees. It sounded like communication. It really it was. So take us through this because you were able to connect with this Sasquatch that we saw. Uh, when I called you and we finally hooked up on the phone, what did you, what came to you? Well, when you had sent me the message at first, and you didn't tell me what had happened, you just wanted to know if you could call. And as soon as I got that, he came forward. And his name is Moloch, and he's massive. Like, we're talking probably 12 foot, easy. He is massive. Yeah, shaggy black hair. You know, he had the cone, not a sharp cone, but he had a conial-shaped head. And he showed me himself. And he said, they saw me. And I said, they did. I said, is everybody okay? And he said, yeah, we're okay. They're friends. They did not hurt. And I said, no, they, they're not going to hurt you. I told you that before. I've talked to that clan for you before. Um, and the female with the ch- little girl was a part of that clan. And so he just started, you know, letting me know that everything was fine. None of you had been harmed. None of his people were harmed. He said there was, he was there, that you had saw him. He did duck down. He admitted to ducking down because he was nervous and that there were five very close to you, but sorry, there's a mosquito going through here. Um, There was 13 total in the woods that night. There was five that were close to you. So then he went from there to that, you know, you were friend. He was very insistent. He did not try to harm. We weren't, you know, and that pulls a lot of weight with them. And I want to point out one thing that it was just a comment that you had made, but you're so incredibly right on it that I just wanted to point it out. When you go out there, if you're in a situation where you have the opportunity to do like Dave did and have the bonfire, if you really want an encounter, that's the way to do it. They don't want to be chased. Okay, they're not a deer. They're not, you know, a rabbit running through the woods. These are a type of people. No type of person wants to be chased. When you go out in the woods at night, and I I mean, I've been out in the woods at night with people. I've been out with Igor in the middle of the night, and I just did a documentary where we went out at night and we walked around in the woods. But the truth is, if you take the time and the respect and the patience and have that bonfire sit down. The laughter will draw them in before anything else will. And if you cook over it, that's even better. They're going to come to you. They feel safer when they are in control. So what you did, Dave, as far as how you went about it, helped get you the contact that you wanted. Well, what was funny, Because of the way that you did it. What was funny about it was we were all just, it, the energy was so great out there that we were mm-hmm. all just very happy and jovial. And, and you know, my son, 
who's nine years old, you know, he was helping build the fire and he was, you know, maintaining the fire and he was happy and, you know, uh, laughing and, and everything. And it was just a, a perfect night. It really was a perfect night in the forest. And, and, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that there were more. We, you know, we felt them. We felt them, uh, yeah. you know, uh, kind of in a in a half horseshoe. Yeah, exactly. But the other thing, too, is, you know, everything is energy-based. Everything. I don't care if it's a rock, a tree, dirt, something alive and breathing. Everything is energy-based, and you can't fake energy. Energy can't doesn't lie. So when you went out there before and you were having issues where it didn't feel good and it didn't feel safe and you didn't stay, which was the smartest thing you could have done, okay, then you went back this last time and you had the complete opposite because it was peaceful and it was happy. And you picked up on that and then that made your energy good. So you have all this good energy and they just want to soak it up and it draws them to you. When you're jovial and you're having fun and you're happy, it raises your vibration, it raises your energy, all of these, that is like a magnet for them. And the truth is, they're just as curious about us as we are about them, it's just they go about it in a different manner. And you weren't out there chasing them down. You had the right energy, the right mindset, the right heart, and you were sitting at, you know, you had this campfire or bonfire, whatever you want to call it, you were non-threatening for them. And they already knew you because you'd been out there before. So it's not like they that was the first time they had ever seen The greatest love story ever told. Romeo. Sweet Juliet. Was missing a chapter. Mine. Now streaming. Meet Romeo's ex, Rosalind. So you're going to break them up? Of course I am. The love story you know. Romeo and Juliet. Doesn't even sound right. The ex you don't. We just need to stop a wedding. My boyfriend is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. It's your boyfriend's wedding. Ouch. Blow me. Caitlin Deaver is Rosalind. Rated PG-13. Now streaming only on Hulu. CPA doesn't have to stand for burnout. At Aronson, we're here to help you pursue the career you want. Discover the resources and programming of a major accounting firm with the flexible, personal culture of a small team. Find a work-life balance that works for you with benefits like unlimited PTO, fully remote options, and gender-neutral parental leave. To personalize your journey and work as flexible as you live, visit aronsonllc.com careers. Aronson, chart your course. And it just, all the pieces fit for that night. That experience was going to happen. It's been escalating for months. All the gifts, all the times out there, that was all, everything works with them as a progression. And they go at their pace, not ours. They could care less how fast we want to do it. It goes by their pace. And it was all building to that. So when you went out there and you had negative energy and you were smart enough to say, okay, I don't want any part of it. I'm leaving. Now you come back and you feel the exact opposite. And you're enjoying yourself, and your son is enjoying himself. They had children out there as well. They had there was no intent at all to even try to hurt your son. They had their own children out there. They respect that. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't some that haven't hurt a child, but in your case, they had no intention of trying to hurt your son. Mm-hmm. It was all extremely loving. It was all extremely jovial. It was all happy. 
everything was exactly how it should have been. There was complete respect on both sides, and that's the only way it works. Yeah, it was. So, yes, he he let you see him, and yes, he did drop down. You know, I mean, they're going to be cautious. They're cautious in nature. But that doesn't mean that the other ones weren't there. The, The noise that you heard is a signal to the other ones. It's a form of communication to let them know, okay, there's somebody here. What kind of noise they make will determine whether or not you know, is it a safe bet that you're okay there? Is it something that's a threat or whatever? In your case, they were perfectly fine with it because you ended up having five that came in close and you had 13 that were actually in a horseshoe shaped all around you. Some were a little farther out, but they were moving their way in. So it was just a really, really good experience. And that good experience is what will carry you through to more experiences. And, you know, as far as being with the right one, you you nailed that because Moloch works with the clan leader. He's big. He's strong. He works directly with the leader of the clan. He works with, and their clan was called the Eagle Clan. And so it all just, if you would have wanted to script it out and make it any better than what it was, you could not have. Everything was perfect. Everything aligned exactly how it was supposed to. Well, you know what? That's good to hear because, like I said, we're probably going to be going out this weekend. It's not going to be Saturday, but it, you know, because I got to go out of town for my son's hockey game. But it'll likely be on Sunday. Uh, you know, the idea that we're going to go back out there does that make them now curious when we are coming back? Are they now watching for us? Um, I, I don't, I don't want to say curious comfortable they will be looking for you when you come out if they're around we have to remember that at the bot at the end of the day we have our own lives we get busy whether it's with work family projects you're doing whatever they do as well they may do different things than we do but they have their own lives they they have their own jobs they have their own obligations you know they're trying to get ready for winter there's a lot of things that are going on so if you're coming out and it's at a time that they're around and they're available, yeah, they're going to be right there because they already know you. They already feel connected to you. They've already made that connection. Are we going to see more? Over time, yes. I think you're going to start out hearing more noises if they're if they're around at the same time that you go out. Um, I think you're going to start hearing more noises, and then there's going to be a lot more of maybe seeing something walking in between the trees and that kind of thing. And it eventually, it just continues to grow. Now, does that mean you're going to see something every single time? No, that does not. Like I said, they have their own lives. They have their own things that they have to do. So if you're out there at a time that they're absolutely where they're around, I, I would almost guarantee that you'll have encounters if they're around at that time. And depending which ones come forward will depend on how much it you know, encounters you have. Now, if it's Moloch again, I think it's very possible to get another sighting. The fact that you saw him was not an accident. He allowed you to see him. So when I, he said something to me was before I had spoke with you on the phone. So I didn't even know what you were calling me about. You had just said, can I call you? I had no knowledge of it when he popped up and said, well, he saw me. 
And I, that's when I said, is everybody okay? And he said, yeah. He said, no harm came to my people and no came, harm came to him. He is friend, is what he said. So you're already okay with him. He's going to watch to make sure that, that what he picked up on you is consistent, which it always has been. So I don't think you'll have any problem there. And if he's one of the ones that's around at the time, I think absolutely. I think you're going to start seeing maybe at a closer range, you'll see between the trees. You know, maybe an arm or shoulder or something moving between the trees. It's a progression. And then as he, because he works with the leader of the clan, he has a lot of respect within that clan. So then as others see that he's comfortable with you, then more will be comfortable with you. Okay. There was something else interesting that happened in the forest. And that was we all heard an owl that we had never heard before. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, is there a tie between owls and Sasquatch? Because they were coming from the the first one that that was going. It may have been the same bird flying through the trees. I don't know. Okay, the first time it happened, it was. Uh, I'll try and bring it up for sound here. I do have a clip for, of it from uh, my buddy Mark, who who ended up finding it. I just want to be able to line it up here. Uh, but the idea that is this. It sounded like it was coming from the area where mm-hmm. where this Sasquatch would we I thought at least would have been moving. Okay, and moving into that direction. And that's where it got a little weird because all of a sudden if if this is just one owl, it flew across so about forty five degrees to another area, now to our left. And uh, more to the more the marshy side and started going off there as well. So it was just very intriguing on on where this owl was coming from. And it wasn't the, the typical woo or hoo hoo. Yeah. Hoo-hoo. That was way off in the distance. Right. And see, that's what I was saying before. Um, there's not a noise to begin with that they can't imitate. I don't care what the noise is. They can imitate it. Owls are very common for them to imitate. They like to do the birds. They like, I mean, they like to do the frogs. When I was in Michigan, we had two foot of snow on the ground and bullfrogs were going off. <laughs> it's like, okay, at least get something that, you know, isn't going to be gone for the season. But the owls, it's not uncommon. I can tell you in my personal opinion, with 99.999% certainty, that was not an owl. That was them. They had already seen you at that point. Now they're sending off signals to the other ones on whether or not it's a safe bet. Is it not? Is there somebody there? And depending on the sounds they make can mean various things. Right. But I don't believe for one second that that was actually an owl. Here's the owl sound. I'm just going to, I've got it on my phone here. So I'm just going to bring it up to the microphone. Well, that's dumb. So that is the sound of a yeah. uh, what they call a uh, northwestern sawwet owl. And it is very possible they sound exactly like that because when it comes to the forest people, what they mimic is spot on. Like literally. I've heard them imitate people's voices and it's just 
absolutely incredible the perfection they have in the imitation of the voices. They try. They went to my ex-husband one time when he was out in the woods. This is before we had divorced. Not, not Pat, my husband now, but before. And they were out there talking, and he came in, and he's like, what were you doing? I was out trying to hunt. I heard you out there talking, and I said, I haven't left the house. And he said, listen, I've known you for 15 years. I know what your voice sounds like. I said, clearly you don't because I haven't left the house. And the kids told him that as well. The the accuracy in them imitating something is unbelievable. It, it, it really and truly is. So do I think that that was actually that owl? No, I really don't. And the other thing that is a possibility that I've seen them do multiple times is they use mind control on the animals in the woods. Okay? They'll get the crows. They'll get the owls. They'll get the ravens, the hawks, whatever to fly over the top of you to watch you so they can relate it back to them. I've seen them do it with raccoons. I've seen them do it with fox. I mean, you name it, I've I've watched them do this on and off my whole life. So if that was an owl, and I don't think it was, but if it was an owl, there's nothing to say that they did not have the owl go off so that it would alert others. That's the point that I I believe it was. That's the point. And it's it's entirely possible, but I'm telling you that they had something to do with it. Hi, Steve. Yeah, it, it was just, it, it was honestly an incredible night. And then when we went back, you know, we're getting close to break here. And I'm going to try and uh, bring up some photos because I did send you the photos here. I got to just mm-hmm. uh, figure out if I sent them on, on Facebook or if I sent them on on uh, text message to you. But I want to show the photos of our area and then kind of get your opinion of everything when we come back, including the two uh, footprints that we saw, which were about 15, 16 inches in length. Yeah, and I have a comment on one of your photos as well. Well, we're going to get to it because we're going to go to break here at the top of the hour. Robin McRae is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We are having a good time breaking down my latest sighting with my buddies. Of Sasquatch in the British Columbia Forest. Oh, that makes it so much fun, doesn't it? That's what it we does. do here on Spaced Out Radio. And we love it when Robin McRae is with us. I think we're going to get a Super Duke sighting as well. Spaced yep. Out Radio continues right after this. Okay, we are clear. I have to say that if I could go and take a sighting and and to the people that I talk to and say, this is exactly what you want to happen, I would tell them to do exactly what you did, how you did it, in order to get the reaction that you did. Well, I really would. Well. Because uh, it, it really, it was perfect. It couldn't have gone better. I'm just trying to see. I mean, everything from the energy to how you went about it, to the reaction, to the vibe that I got off of them when I spoke with them, everything was so spot on. It could, there's no way it could have gone better. Oh, I agree. Robin, I'm going to be right back. We're going to turn everything over to Dirty Filth. It's Super Duke. Super Duke has arrived. Is he there? Super Duke is here. There he is. Mm Mm-hmm. There he is. My buddy. <laughs> howdy, Super howdy. Duke. Howdy, filthy. 
I love your new backing. That backsplash is perfect. Oh, yeah. Down in the dungeon, my secret lab here at World Bigfoot Central headquarters. Heaven Um, help us. uh, (laughs) The whole place just reeks of awesomeness. (laughs) See, if I duck my head down a little bit, see that picture there? Ah, yeah, there you go. And the the Sasquatch on there is actually a real one. I mean, that's his photo, but he he actually that's exists. His name is Samuel. Yeah. yeah, he's up in the Appalachian Mountains doing his thing. All right. Well, I'm gonna have a cigarette quick before I have to sit here and talk for an hour. Right, Felt, it's just you and me. Oh, excellent. How's your night going so far? Good. Good. Like I said, I was able to get some sleep last night, and so it worked out great. I'm not even tired yet. I'm relaxed as heck because I'm sitting outside, and it, you know, and that's always nice. How's yours going oh, other than working like crazy? I uh, got to sneak out a little bit earlier than I should have. And uh, tomorrow I get to go see a band that I never thought I'd get to see live. Who? And uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty anyway, they're awesome. All, they're all like senior citizens now in their 60s and stuff. <laughs> that doesn't make them any less oh, awesome. Just but no, they're from Europe and whatnot, so they're like, this oh, is our last North American tour. Then you gotta go. And I don't, yeah, and I don't, I don't go out and do much. I usually just sit at home, draw cartoons, read comics, and write RPG campaigns for my nerds. <laughs> it is, like, really, really quiet out here. I mean, other than I can hear stuff moving around in the, the tree line, that's about it. They're actually really quiet out here. Like I said, the one today was out in the backyard. He wasn't out front. He was in the back. And then something's been over on the other side of the cat cages, but it's kind of settled down over there now, other than the cats are mewing at it. I don't have a I don't have a big enough place for 25 cats currently. Well, like I said, I... Farm said, I definitely have that. And maybe a couple, like, dogman or something on my property. Yeah, well, I've got those two. I've got a werewolf across the driveway, dogmen all around. I have a couple cat people, a cat purple, ah, cat person, and her young one that's coming <laughs> now and then. I've got ETs and UFOs. It's it's crazy. It'll do the same thing when I'm in Michigan. It was even worse in Michigan. Jeez, you don't even get a weekend off, eh? Yeah, that is my weekend off. <laughs> that is it with the weekend off. I wouldn't change it. Like I, you know, at one time there was a battle that the forest people were fighting. And so they were gone for like eight months. I had still part of the clan was there, but my core guys were gone. I was miserable. Always I miserable. You know, you get used to their energy. And then when they pull it back and they're not there, you go through withdrawals. And I still had a lot of them around. But it wasn't the ones I was closest to. I was so glad when they got back. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, once you build that connection, and you lose it yeah. for a little bit. Well, I've got some it's... here that I had in um, in Michigan. Not all of them, but I have. I think there's like four or five of them from Michigan that came. And then when we move back, they'll go back. They're anxious to get home too. There's nothing like sleeping in your own bed for sure. Uh, well, we've been here almost well five years, four years. It's long enough. You know, I did I did my time. It's time to go home. But I've got now I've got to find um a place to live. That's the hard part because this is my last move. Wherever I land is where I'm staying. And so I want it exactly how I want it. So I'm really, really picky this time. Like I love my house here. I just wish it was in Michigan. And I want my acreage, like, when we first set out here, I wanted a minimum of five acres. And instead, I have an acre and a half, but I'm in the woods, you know. And so I'm back to, I want five to ten acres. I had ten acres prior, and I loved the ten acres was perfect size for me, you know. But I'm also the weirdo that if I had 200 acres and I was sitting go, out in the middle of it, I'd be happy You're as a clam. to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook's Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Undercroft. Undercroft is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on talking Sasquatch tonight about an experience that me and my friends had over the weekend. We got... Researchers Robin McRae. We're now joined by World Bigfoot Radio Super Duke. He'll be back here momentarily. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I always have such fun here. All right. I, I got some photos here that I'm going to show on our YouTube and Twitch side. And then what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to explain them for our our radio audience. So this is kind of an area where we are. And this area here, once again, it's about 20 kilometers, 15 miles from town. And it is in a, uh, a side logging road that is very, 
unused, shall we say. You know, the logging trucks go up and down it, but they haven't been down it since the fires of last year. You can see where they cleared a lot of the trees out in order to build fire guards uh, to prevent future uh, fires and so on and so forth. You can see that the ground is very dry and, and very hard packed in this area. Now, the interesting part about this is when that mud is soft, it's fantastic for footprints. And right behind my buddy's truck here, this is kind of along the logging road where we found the original 13-inch print back on Mother's Day of this year. That is what led us to this area. Now, we have been going to this area for a number of years. The reason why is there's a bend at the end of this road, which literally leads... I'm going to see if I can find it here. Nope, that ain't it. Right here, you can see uh, how the, the road kind of bends up to the left. And in this area here, as the road bends, there's usually a big water puddle there. Not very deep, maybe an inch or two. But that's where a lot of the animals drink. So when we are in this area, we... The greatest love story ever told... Romeo! Sweet Juliet! ...was missing a chapter. Mine. Now streaming, meet Romeo's ex, Rosalind. So you're going to break them up? Of course I am. The love story you know... Romeo and Juliet. Doesn't even sound right. The ex you don't. We just need to stop a wedding. My boyfriend is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. It's your boyfriend's wedding. Ouch. Blow me. Caitlin Deaver is Rosalind. Rated PG-13. Now streaming only on Hulu. Have a child with autism or ADHD? Then this message is for you. Tylenol use during the second and third trimester of pregnancy may be linked to an increased risk of ADHD and autism. Compensation may be possible if you use Tylenol, acetaminophen, at least 28 times during the second and third trimester and have a child with autism or ADHD. There are no costs unless there's a settlement in your favor. Tap the accompanying link to request a free confidential consultation. Always would go to this puddle area to see what signs of animals had been around. We'd see a lot of bear tracks. We'd see a lot of deer and moose and wolf tracks, sometimes the odd mountain lion track. Okay, and and so this is why we knew this area was going to be very popular for Sasquatch. So in the distance, as you look at these trees, right in, in the background here, these birch trees, there is a marsh back there. And to the left of this side road that we're on, that we're taking this photo from, there is a marsh to our left. So there's a lot of water. There's not a lot of fish, but there's a lot of birds that go there from ducks to geese to swans and cranes mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So it is an area that has a lot of berries, a lot of a lot of food sources for any type of apex predatory animal. So the interesting part about this is we park in the same area each and every time. And when we go through the photos, like as you can see, we park in this area. Our little fire pit is up here in the dirt and you know, there's a lot of room for us to see what's coming and going. There's a lot of safety room just in case we have to get back to our vehicles. And we don't have to venture off the path very far in order to get a little bit of 
you know, knowledge of where something or someone is coming through. Now, in this break in the trees, which is the area where we come in on, this is where I had seen two weeks previous, the or three weeks previous, the triangle form in the sky. And there was two light balls, and then we watched the third one uh, manifest out of nothing, and that's where we saw the triangle. So as we were looking around, there's a little side area here that has been carved out, and this is an old logging road that comes to a dead end, almost like a cul-de-sac, and there's a big pile of trees that were cut down for the forest fires in order to create the break. So that's all that's in this area. And this area, Robin, feels very weird to you. Yeah, they before you had your encounter, and I'm talking, this is like weeks ago, they kept showing me an area, and this was the area. They, they didn't show me anything in the other photos. I mean, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with those, but this is the area they kept showing me. And they kept showing that on the other side of whatever that bump is, whether it's trees, sand, dirt, whatever, they were on the other side of that watching you. And that makes sense because we have felt that we have been watched in that area. Yeah, when you sent me those photos, I about fell over because first we just were talking about this encounter that was so incredible. And then you sent me these pictures, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what they showed me. That is the photo that they showed me. They didn't show me any of the other ones, but they showed me that one. Well, uh, this area here feels usually very weird. It's almost like we almost, like at night when it is dark, we don't go into this area. It always feels a little bit off. Daytime, not a problem. Nighttime, big problem. It's just very, very odd. Feel, and this little knoll here. I feel here, like I need there. Yeah, and this, there's a knoll here for our radio audience. Way in the back, there's about a 10, 12-foot knoll uh, that has trees coming out of it. And that knoll there feels always very, very odd. Like there's something that climbs up there that is watching us at night. And it just, this area gives me the absolute heebie-jeebies when we are there. Just, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. You know, nothing too impressive, that's for sure. So as we were moving on, okay, uh, let's get, this is the photograph of uh, approximately where, uh, about 10 feet from where we were standing. And in the background... You see the curve in the road. You see that there is another logging road that kind of peels off. That was a logging road, an old, old logging road that was redone due to the forest fire uh, protection areas. And this is kind of the distance of about 100 yards of where we were to this creature. And it just gets amazing. So this is the area from where we felt uh, from a different point of view, this is the reverse picture of where we felt the creature was comparatively to mm -hmm. where our vehicles were. So about a hundred yards and in our night vision and everything that we had, we could see this leaning tree. No problem. 
we could see there, there's a leaning fir tree that's very young, maybe eight, nine feet tall, uh, you know, and it, it's leaning towards the road like some trees do. It's just the way uh, they grow sometimes. And it, it just, you know, there was no footprints in that area. There was nothing to be seen. Now, I'm standing in this next photo where we felt the creature was staring at us, kind of lurking beside the trees and in between that leaning tree. This area is filled with uh, harsh brush. The ground is very hard, and there was no footprints, no padded down areas, nothing that we could see, that three of us could see in that area. But this is approximately where the creature was from where our vehicles were. Moving on, this is a side view that if this creature had taken off from that spot and into the trees, there's a lot of fallen trees in this area where if it would have went over, it would have made noise because there's a little gully, you know, it's not too deep, maybe four or five feet mm -hmm. in that area where it would have come down hard. Any animal would have come down hard in that and it would have made noise. We move on to our next photo. This is a close-up kind of where the creature, we felt where it was standing in the logging road. So the exit point would have been either into the trees or somehow it disappeared up this logging road or it went back up this embankment. Mark feels it went back up the embankment. But, you know, we're not even looking at the fact yet that maybe a portal opened up and it just vanished. Or where it went. We have no May idea. May I say something? Yeah, please do. I'm sorry, Dave. I don't mean to interrupt you, but before you switch photos, I want to point something out. I mean, these are a people that if they want to hide, they can hide in plain sight and you will never see them. And you're talking about an encounter, which I know to be 100% true. It wasn't standing in the trees. It was standing outside of the trees, whether it crossed the road to go up into the trees, went back into the trees or whatever. When it showed itself to you, it was not in the trees. That was a deliberate act, which meant, it again, that just solidifies that it wanted you to see him. Moloch knew what he was doing. He wanted you to have the encounter. Your heart was filled with love. The energy was up. The vibration was up. Everything that night was exactly the way it should be. He simply stood out from the side of the trees so that you could see him. That's not by accident. You're looking at a picture that there is clearly plenty of foliage and trees to hide in, to be able to watch you and observe you, study you, whatever, and you would have never seen him. The fact that he made sure that you did shows how intelligent these things are and the fact that they can choose when they want you to see them. Now, I want to show, Mark also found a couple of really nice prints. This is what a black bear print looks like. All right. And that one was pretty big. This is what a grizzly bear print looks like, also found in the area. You could see the length of the claws. That's how you tell the difference between a, mm -hmm. a grizzly bear print and a black bear print is the length of the claws. And the grizzly has five of them. All right. I mean, that is, these are big, big prints that were just pushed into this very hard soil. Now, here's footprint number one, okay, in the hard ground. You can see the, the foot. You can see the heel. 
You can see the kind of a couple of toes here in this area, like the rounding of the toes. And this was about a 15 to 16 inch print that we mm -hmm. saw. And the one thing, Duke, I want to bring you in here because we always talk about right feet. The two prints that we found were actually left feet. Yeah. They probably did that just to contradict you. You know how they are. <laughs> That's the power of Super Duke right there, people. <laughs> Coming to you live from World Bigfoot Central Control Center Headquarters in my dungeon. Here I am. Yeah, so this is one of the footprints that we found. And here's the second one. You can see Mark's foot is right beside it. You know, he and he's got some large ham hocks there. But we have a, a heel here. And we have the, the dermal ridge of the foot right here that leads onto these rocks and the big toe area that is on the left here again. And once again, very solid, hard ground. Uh, we did look to see if this was a heel track from a boot because it kind of looks like it, but it definitely was not in that area. What's the depth on that print, Dave? About an inch? Not inch even. No, maybe... I'm going to use a Canadian term here, maybe a centimeter. Okay. Okay, like we're talking tiny. I wouldn't have noticed it if everything wasn't padded down in that area. And kind Yeah, of, I can see the outline on the one side of it. Yeah. That's actually how I find tracks when I'm out in the field. And the best time to find tracks is either early in the morning or late in the evening when the sun is at an angle because that's when it illuminates the side of the track like that. And you'll see one side or the other of the track. For sure. The other thing, if you want to get really good photos, you can do two things. Take a can of hairspray with you and spray your actual track with the hairspray because it's going to make it wet. And you're just going to spray inside the outline of the foot so that when you take your photo, it pops, but it doesn't change anything. It still shows the ridges. It shows everything in it but it pops a little bit more. The other thing you can do is take uh, a can of baby powder with you and do the same thing. That's actually, I'd idea. recommend the hairspray thing because if you decide you want to cast it after the fact, that'll help hold it together that much better. Yeah. That's another trick. Oh, to absolutely. Use for, for yeah. Uh, casting. These were uncastable. They, unfortunately they were uncastable. So, but fortunately you can see them on a picture. And a lot of times, yeah. stuff you can see with your naked eye, you can't get a damn picture of it to save your life. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. So this is, once again, our area of where we are doing our investigation. I love this print, uh, this uh, second mm -hmm. print here, you know, in regards to the, you know, it was almost rising, you know, it looks like it's rising out of the dirt, but it's, it's very, very uh, just, just, breaking the ground just breaking the ground and not very castable as well so hey i mean the, i mean duke you're 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 more into this than i am these prints being 15 16 inches on on the creature that we saw that robin believes was 10 to 12 feet tall 
And it does make sense of the creature being there looking at the photos. Duke, what would be the footprint size of a 10 to 12 foot creature? Hard to know for sure, but from examples we've gotten where eyewitnesses have seen them and then found tracks to look at after the fact, um, it sounds like anything that size is going to be at least an 18-inch foot, between 18 and 22, possibly even bigger. That's massive. That is massive. Uh, We want to give a shout-out in our chat room. Blaine Tyler is in our chat room right now. Uh, Yeah, Blaine. Yeah, he's a great Sasquatch Sasquatch researcher as well. Blaine, we got to get you back Mm -hmm. on the show uh, sometime soon. But yeah, I mean, this is, it was just an incredible find. I didn't expect, now these prints were found in that area, Robin, that you had envisioned. That area right here. Like one, one print was, you know, right in the middle of the dirt and the next print was a little bit behind it, about uh, 15, 20 feet. They weren't right together. Uh, they they may have been on the same path. I don't know if it's the same footprint or not because they look completely different to me. But that, hey, that's all part of the game, isn't it? Yeah, and the other thing is, too, you know, if it dips down at all behind where that little mound is, they will literally, I feel like there's a lot of them that come in that area for whatever reason, but if behind that little mound it dips down at all, they will actually get down on their bellies behind that, and they'll wait for prey to come in, and then they come out of that hole to nail it. And that could be why you kind of get a funky feeling when you walk over there because they're using it to kind of, you know, help when they're hunting. And that could be a lot yeah, and that could be why you're seeing all the different kinds of footprints. But if it's low back there, they will hide back down there and wait for prey. But you have a lot of them that come into that area. I mean, a lot of them that come into that area. So I'm not surprised if you found just a ton of different size footprints in there. Well, there were a lot of uh, moose tracks in there. We didn't see a lot mm-hmm. of bear. We did see some dog tracks and human tracks as well is because you know being deer season this is a popular area for deer as well so you know there's a little bit uh, of everything in there yeah kind of like going to old country buffet (laughs) same thing as my (laughs) research area it's like watching a national geographic special on the rocky mountains to see every kind of wildlife imaginable up there Except for grizzly bears and mob lions and wolves. Except when they know Duke's coming, they don't bother to hunt. They just tell him to bring bacon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They keep all the predators away in return for bacon, so I don't have to worry about them. Well, bacon is a good yep. thing. It really is a good thing. <laughs> they're so spoiled we're, rotten. We're only half kidding, yeah. <laughs> no, they're spoiled rotten there. Every time he goes up there, He'll have me get hold of them and ask them what they want. And he literally will go to the store and get everything on their shopping list. And you're guaranteed bacon, peanut butter, and now he's got them addicted to Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Three of my favorite things right there. Yeah, I know. And they, they love him. They everything absolutely else, adore they'll him. leave the empty containers lying around so I can pick them up and get the garbage out of the woods. But not the Cinnamon <laughs> Toast Crunch. I get the pillow size, jumbo size ones of the generic stuff. And the whole thing disappears. 
There's not a scrap <laughs> of left. The whole damn thing, even container, the wrapper, everything is gone. Oh, hey, they know a good thing. They know a good thing when they see it. Let's just be honest. Well, I'd like to say that I'm actually not in favor of feeding them or gifting them, and I wouldn't advocate for it. The only reason I get them anything is because they tell me what they want, and I just get what they want. And before that, um, I didn't start gifting them. They started gifting me. They started leaving me random things at the campsite, and I was wondering where this stuff was coming from. And then they left me a big pile of quartz rocks, and I got a hold of Robin and went, Robin, are they leaving me quartz rocks? And she yep, said, hold on. Yeah, they're leaving you quartz rocks. Yeah, tell them I found the one by where I usually always put my tent that was sitting right where I put my tent, and the other one in the river where I always put my cooler, right where I always put my cooler. Yeah, the, the thing about gifting, it works if you aren't doing it, like, on a, a regular basis. What I did, I would not recommend to anybody, but I didn't know anybody else. I was doing it by myself. It was before I even knew any other researchers. I was putting it every night. I went out, and I put out this, you know, their food for them. They ate more than we did, and I did it every night. You're never going to be able to feed them enough to sustain them. You just, you aren't. So I did that, but my group was really kind. Had they been any other group, when it came time before I moved and I stopped, they could have gotten really violent. I was lucky it did, that didn't happen that way. So it's all right if you're going to gift, but you could also gift non-food products, okay? Like toys. So they're not looking, yeah, like toys. Make sure there's nothing they're going to choke on, but uh, a feather, white rocks, beads, you know, one of the females had this thing about my daughter's hairbrush because on the back of her hairbrush, she was just a little Robin, girl. I'm going to need you to hold on right there. We are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Robin McRae, Super Duke, myself, all talking Sasquatch tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we're clear. Woohoo. Woohoo. Time for a quick sick break. You sound so happy tonight. Oh my god. Super happy Duke. We're we're not you're not super Duke tonight. You're happy Duke. Happy Duke. <laughs> I'm gonna run for just a second and then I will be back as well. Mm. I'm not doing a smoke break, but I'll be right back. No problem. What a fantastic show so far. This is the way I thought it would be. Hope you're having fun as well. I'm just sitting here. Hi, Dirty Filth. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dirty. How's it going? You like the drawing so far? It's almost done. It's looking good. <clears throat> Great stories tonight. Fantastic stories tonight. Here, let's, uh, the public wants a close-up of what you're drawing tonight the public 
Hello, public. Looks like I hope the public is having fun. Looks like something in the desert. There's a solid chance of that. Mm. Blob is crushing my legs, Dave. Do you want to define your own career path in accounting? Aronson collaborates with you to pursue your priorities thanks to the resources of a large firm and the flexible personal culture of a small team. Join us at AronsonLLC.com careers. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. What's up with Blob tonight? Piled right on top of me and I can't feel my legs. <laughs> uh, love v. Love uh, regarding the Golden Nugget uh, family rate for SOR. We are working on that. And we hope that that's one of the things once we get our deposit in that we're going to be working on to get a a uh, code or something. So that way everybody who books uh, can get a discount on the rooms. Um, Got to see how that works with them. Uh, but we will uh, be do, trying to do that this year. Hi, Starsguard. How are you? Is that a meteorite there that's fallen? Or a cactus? That'd be a cactus. Definitely a cactus. Something else. We're all watching you intently right now. Oh, I'm getting like, the pressure's pops. on. I'm getting tree pops over here on the side of the house. Oh, no. I don't see any bushes moving. I'm just hearing tree snaps. He's got a letter S, people. He's got a letter S. <laughs> And an O. It's gonna have that. Didn't even color. Didn't even didn't even color in the uh, the last little bit of of the red there. But nobody noticed that once I edited it secretly later on. <laughs> Secret <laughs> editing. That's called post production. <laughs> yeah, it's none of that. Once it goes on the page, that's it forever. <laughs> All mistakes are counted for. Gives it character. It's a large we. Is Blaine still in there? Hey, Blaine. <laughs> 
See, I can't see anybody. Oh, you're on your phone. That's why. No, I'm on a tablet. Oh, are you? I don't know how it works. Yeah. We got 20 Is that seconds like one here. Of those flying chiclet things. Yeah. Tablets. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to T2E, Eddie, Steppenwolf, Amy, Vash the Impaler, and Steve for the amazing super chats tonight. Thank you very much. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And here we go with the second uh, half of the show right now, guys. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, Robin McRae is with us. We got Super Duke as well, and he'll be back for the Cryptid Report later on as well as we talk Sasquatch tonight. Rock. Robin and Duke, thank you so much for being here tonight. Very much appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. You're very welcome. It's not a job. It's an adventure. It is. It's always fun. Well, you know, it it is something of an adventure when, you know, people walk into the forest and all of a sudden they encounter something that they're just not used to. You know, I mean, whether it's a feeling of being watched, whether it's a smell, you know, I've been asked a lot of questions over this about, did you smell the creature? In in my Sasquatch sightings and and encounters that I've had, I've never got the odor. What is the odor? Duke? I've only, you know, I've been really near them a lot of times, accidentally punched one. So I've been really, really near them. And I've only ever smelled them twice. And one of them smelled like a combination of uh, kind of a wet dog and an electrical fire. And that was one up just outside my ordinary research area. And another one that was over near to where I am right now on uh, the Patty Canyon research area. He came up near the, the tent. And I'm pretty sure that was the Alpha that left the 21-inch track about 60 feet away from where I was camped. But he just reeked horribly. He smelled like an entire um, locker fridge full of meat that somebody had kicked the power cord out of about a month earlier. <clears throat> it was really bad, but it was early spring, and we were high up on the mountains. And at that time of the year, the only thing really that they've got to eat is deer. And that's kind of why they're there, because they can catch them coming down the mountain trying to get to the nice lush lawns of the humans living below for grazing. And they nab them on the way down, and then... Well, there's no water to wash themselves off in. And, you know, as you can imagine, when they eat something like that, they get a lot on themselves. So I would imagine it kind of builds up and that adds to the stank. But that's just my hypothesis. Excellent. Guys, let's get to some audience questions here. We have a number that have built up. 
And this one comes from the Doug Shelby. And the Doug Shelby is asking for Robin. If you know of any Sasquatch kinfolk in the central Missouri area. Generally what happens is when I talk to people, um, as I talk to them, any of the ones that are around them come forward. Do I know any specifically? I know some that have gone to Missouri. They don't normally live there, but they've gone there for various things. Um, Some of my guys went there for almost eight months and they were there uh, working on some things. So, you know, I know some that have been there. I've talked to other people that have some around them that are in Missouri. But basically what I do is when I talk to somebody, I kind of can, I can pick up the energy off the Sasquatch in that area and I can find them a little bit easier. What I can do before I leave is I'll give out my email, and then if anybody wants to contact me, I'm, I'm happy to do so. And then I can try to get a little bit more specific with the ones. But do I know of any that have been there? Yes. All right. Let's and, yes, there are a lot in Missouri. There are a ton in Missouri. Let's move on to a new question. Kaysen is asking, Robin, as to your experience, when you get premonitions, is it like you go to 4D or 5D and look at them at the time from up above? Because in 5D, all space time is now. I've done actually both where I've looked, I, you know, where I've gone up and I've looked down on things. Normally what happens is I'm just there. It's like I'm standing there in that moment and I'm watching everything happen it's like i'm just standing there have i ever gone up from above and looked down it a hundred percent yes all right i will move on to the next one this one uh, comes from a pair of questions from donna here donna is asking robin have you mind spoke with sasquatch the big 15 footer yet I'm trying to remember which one she's talking about because I've done talked to a couple of them that were that size. Um, can, if she can be more specific, I can tell you. But, yes, I have talked to some that are that big. Um, well, let's go to the follow-up then, which is, okay. have they come through they solid, solid cement walls? Yes, Donna, they have. What they do is they can go from flesh and blood into what I call spirit form in the blink of an eye, and they can literally walk through anything. Yes. And I've had witnesses with me that have seen them walk through as well. One second here. That would explain how they can do the hiding inside tree trick. All right. Oh, yeah. They just walk into it. Literally. Crystal is asking, Robin, do you communicate via mind speak, or is it like a feeling? I get it always. Mind speak um, can be done in multiple ways, and for whatever reason, I'm able to do it in, in multiple ways. But yes, I can do it as a feeling where you get a sense of knowing the entire picture before it's even said. I can do it as far as getting words, letters, pictures, photos, a sense of knowing, all of that. Yes. All right, let's go back to Kaysen. Isn't Moloch an owl god? It's very possible. He did not say. He just said that he was with the Eagle Clan, and that was the name that he gave me. Heather would like to know, Robin, can you speak to other animals? Yes, I do all the time. 
Um, I've talked to friends of mine, pets, when they're sick, to find out exactly where the problem seems to be, as well as other cryptids and other animals. All right, that's all the questions we have for right now from our audience. Maybe we'll get a few more in as they come in during the show. But for for you, uh, Duke, when you know earlier on in the first uh, half hour, we were talking about the accuracy of Robin, and I was saying how at the beginning I was very skeptical of whether or not this was something that that was you know believable and it was because of your words and her actions that really i was convinced that robin is very much in communication i mean how did you hook up with robin and and you know as a longtime bigfoot researcher really believe in her word no uh, this goes back to uh the eminent bigfoot researcher since the early 60s dr igor Burtsev. Of course, uh, representing the, the uh, area over in the far east, all the way from eastern Siberia up to, well, all of Russia and areas surrounding it. And uh, he's been with all the whole team of uh, scientific researchers there for years. Uh, Dr. Boris Porshnev and Dr. Dmitry Bayanov and all those guys. And so when I got down to uh, getting ready for my 100th anniversary episode, I decided I wanted to get uh, Igor on. And when I got Igor on, I got the triple threat. I got along with it, Robin McRae <laughs> and Janice Carter, 50 Years of Bigfoot, all on the same show. So immediately hit it off with Robin and started talking to her. And then she started helping me with some of the stuff that was going on in my research area. So I got a chance to... Uh, vet her abilities over and over and over again to see how accurate she was. <laughs> and keeping in mind, I don't like the idea of woo, paranormal, any of that. I don't have any psychic powers. I tend to ignore it and like to believe it doesn't exist. So somebody's got to really show me something like quite a few times to get me to believe that they actually can do these things. And there's no doubt in my mind that Robin can actually do these things. Because she's, you know, you just can't be 100% right over and over and over and over and over and over and over again by accident. No, very true. Very true. I mean, I mean, how accurate has she been for you? 100%. Thank the, only, you. the only times that she's missed anything has been when it was just like some weird question that was basically unknowable or they didn't want to tell her anything or. You know, that kind of, sometimes she just doesn't know. We saw some kind of cryptid when uh, Eric Adventure Man was up here. Uh, we were in our hidden campsite, and uh, he had decided to walk across, down through the woods to where the road crossed the area, and then across the road, down to where we usually camp next to the river and get some water, and it's about, I don't know, 10.30 at night, so it's nice and dark. And uh, he comes peeling back up the hill as fast as he can, all freaked out. There's something down there, dude, there's something down there. I'm like, whatever, grab my super-powered flashlight that's brighter than a car headlights and don't blind <laughs> anything. And I go walking down there, and I'm shining the far side of the river while he's getting water and stuff to keep him all safe and whatever, I'm going to blind it. There, you know, I didn't see anything while I was there. He might, he probably, he definitely saw something because he was pretty shook up. And at this point, we were, well, you know, wondering what was going on with the local Sasquatch because they weren't making their presence known really at all, other than a few wood knocks and some rock clacks. They were keeping very quiet. 
And so we made it back up to camp and, you know, no other weird incidents or anything there. But when I got back, I contacted Robin and said, uh, what the heck was that thing across the river? And this is one of those cases where even she didn't know what the heck it was. It wasn't yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah, I can get the energy signature, but there's a lot of cryptids that there's no name for them. The ETs are dropping them off right and left. The government's creating them right and left, so they don't all have names. So you can feel, feel, feel the different energy from them, but it doesn't mean you know the name of them. Yeah, it had a couple of huge baseball-sized eyes, whatever it was. Yeah. That was all Eric got to see. He thought maybe it was a moose or something. <laughs> like, um, Probably not. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> Damn moose. It's always the moose that caused the issues. Yep. All right. I've got a couple more questions from the audience. This one coming from the UK. Uh, Tony D is asking, Robert, Robin, do the forest people call themselves a group name? They do, but it depends on the location. I mean, it really does. Um, whether or not, you know, and Duke and I actually talked about this earlier. There's a lot of different subspecies. Like, you know, you get in Florida and you have the swamp apes. And, you know, some of the ones in Nebraska are Chitanga. And then there's Sukalu. And, you know, some of them don't want to be called Bigfoot. They take offense to that where others don't care. So it really, I think it's more the location and the geographics of where they're at as to what they're going to call themselves. From my experience, that doesn't I agree mean other too. people. It seems yeah. to me like there's because there's there's tribal languages. They don't all mm -hmm. speak the same language across the no, continent. No, they don't. And it seems like the divisions that they made for themselves, like Sukalu and Sasquatch, they have different tribal languages. Is there a big genetic difference? Probably not. See, Tonga, according to Robin's read on their energy there, some of them are Bigfoot and something else. They're like hybrids or something else. And the skunk apes are like, what did you say, the drunken frat boys of the Bigfoot world? Yeah, they remind me of your frat boys you find at a fraternity. They're very uncivilized and out there. And, you know, Dangerous. the Chitangas are... Yeah, the Chitangas are intelligent, but they're just different than what you would find with the rest of the North American Sasquatch. That's not in a, I don't mean that derogatory or in a bad way. You know, I, I've been up there. I have interacted with them, and they were very kind. I didn't have a problem with them, but they're different. They're all different. The, you know, the Sukalu, that's another one that is a little bit different. Doesn't make them not what they are. Any more than we have Asian, Chinese, Mexican, you know, whatever. It's just a location and variation from those locations. No, very true. Very true. Uh, there was a question from Blaine Tyler about Duke. Uh, what is there any Gugway seen in British Columbia? Uh, I haven't heard any reports of it specifically. Um, from what I heard, a long time ago, the um, Sasquatch had a war with the Gugway and chased them out of the Rockies. So whether any of them re-infiltrated or not, the only place that I know of in the Rockies where there actually are sightings of them is in uh, northeast Yellowstone. And other other sightings are like hard. It's not like the people that see them are experts on Gugway and they go, that was a Gugway, not a Dogman or a Bigfoot. I mean, so it's you know kind of hard to tell. They don't know that much about it yet. That, that it's penetrated the psyche of the average person that might have an accidental sight, sighting to know what they're seeing. I mean, they're lucky if they you know figure out it might be something other than a bear. So, 
All right. So we don't have any here. Hopefully. I mean, until I get an ironclad sighting, I'm not going to put myself down to saying yes. I know the uh, province next to you to the east and to the northeast side of that one, yes, they have them. All right. Let's go to Shiro, who is asking, Robin, do they cloak themselves or disappear in portals? 100% yes. There's a different, There's two different ways they do it. They When they do a cloaking, they're, they, to begin with, to do any of that, they raise their energy and they raise their vibration and then they bend the light. And that's how it's done. When they do a cloak, it's 100% transparency. You can't see them. You don't know they're there. I mean, if you can read their energy, you know it. But to see them physically, you're not going to. When they do a shimmer... It gives you that predator effect, like in the movie Predator, where it looks like a gelled water almost. And that's different than the cloaking, but they still do it. I mean, it absolutely happens. And they all use the portals. I mean, it's like we use an expressway. They have anchored portals that are attached and cannot be moved. They have some that are not attached that are mobile. And I've also seen several just literally whip them, like take their hand and whip it out, open up the ground, dive into it. I had one run across the road in front of my car and we, the road itself went through like the, what I call rock walls where it looks like they dug the road out through all this rock. And it literally opened up a portal in the side of the rock and went into it and then it closed. Just makes me shake my head. Well, keep in mind, they're not all super powerful, magical. There's some of them that really don't have any abilities. Yeah, the only one that they all really possess is just mind speak, and then it's up to the individual groups if they learn anything else yeah. or not. I mean, they're born with the potential to do it, but if their clan doesn't believe in using the woo, they don't teach them, so they don't know it. And if you don't know it, you aren't going to use it. So what are you going to do with it? That's no different than humans, though. We're all born with potentials that we're not taught to utilize, or we'd be able exactly. to do all kinds of cool things. Yeah. So, I mean, the potential is there to do it, but you have to have it, they have to be born into a clan that allows it. I mean, they have laws just like we do. And some clan, it's like the Amish, you know, you have Amish sectors that don't believe in electricity or anything of that nature. And then you have sectors of the Amish that will allow you a motor vehicle. You may not yeah. have electricity in your home, but you're a lot of, of automobile or electricity to use for your work. So it depends on the clan and what that particular clan allows. How big are clans yeah. usually? You know, I had one that had 60 in it. I don't think that they're all that large. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, first of all, your work ethic is going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. 
And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. I, I mean, I have never really, I'm going to be honest, I've never really asked them. An average that I've noticed is anywhere from 15 to 30. Now, other people may find, you know, that to be different, but that's, you know, what I've noticed. But I had the one that I had that was coming through my yard all the time for probably five years. I counted 60 different individuals. I kept a notebook that had what I called them or what their name was that they called themselves and a description. And there were 60 different individuals. But I think that's large. I, I, I personally don't believe that they normally have that many. What about someone like Albert Ostman, though, where there was a family of four? Would that family of four be its own clan or in a clan but living on its own? I think there's a – and Duke can answer this as well. I think there's a lot of them that go off on their own. I mean, we have people that go off grid all the time that are just happier living off grid, being away from everybody else. They don't want to be part of a community. They don't want to be part of a city. They go off grid and they live their lives and they're not any different. I mean, we have to, again, we have to remember these are a type of people. Yeah. And they may all be part of a clan that just aren't together all the time. I mean, think of the Navajo, for example, they didn't have like villages and stuff. They all lived in their own little separate hunguns out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know, <laughs> and this is the same thing they're doing. And it could have a lot to do with the carrying capacity of the land that they're on. Because in some areas, there's plenty of food resources, and you can have a bunch of those giant eating machines all clustered together, mm-hmm. and no one would be the wiser because they're not going to deplete the resources. And then there's other areas where maybe the, the land isn't so great, and they have to stay in, like, smaller family units, widely dispersed, in order to not, you know, wreck up the ecology. Well, and you have some that have been removed from the clan. Yep. Okay, well, and that's, that's just a natural thing because they're going to grow when they get to be older. They'll be teenagers. They'll get Rammy. You know, some of them, it's like, get out, go get your own mate. Time for you to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's the, the old ones that are, you know, you're taking care of the elders and then the ancients. And so some of these groups can build up to large size over a long time period. Look at yeah. the ones in the, the area that I uh, do most of my research in. You know, you said yeah, there's quite there a few there. Lot. Three, four hundred yeah. years. Yeah. And then you have some that have gotten in trouble with the clan for whatever reason. And I've ran across several of these where they've been ostracized from the clan. And so they go off and they go off on their own and they meet another one that might be by themselves and they create their own unit. Yeah. The problem comes in when they're, you know, they're not thrown out of the clan because it's like, get out, go get on your own, make your own family thing. Rather, it's like, you can't follow rules, you're a troublemaker, get out. Yeah. Well, then what happens when they run into other troublemakers? Yeah, then you got a gangbanger group of Bigfoot, <laughs> like you've got down in the LBL and a couple other places yeah. that we know about. I get that. All right, we got two minutes left here before we have to go to break. At the top of the hour, Super Duke, you're going to continue with us uh, on uh, uh, for a shortened edition of the Cryptid Report tonight. But, Robin, uh, you know, for you, uh, you know, 
knowing that we are getting closer, the temperatures are dropping, and we're getting closer to winter uh, each and every day. And I know here the temperatures over the last couple of days have dropped mm-hmm. by about, you know, 10, 12 degrees Celsius. You know, so how do we uh, prepare or what should we be looking for as we watch the temperature get a little colder as we enter into the forest? For them, they're good. They know how to make fire. They use the older lumber, older wood. It doesn't smoke. Um, and they go, they go underground. They go in caves, abandoned buildings or whatever. They've got it covered. So, you know, I have just as much encounters in the winter in the snow as I do in the summer and the fall. You know, I, I don't think we really have to change anything that we're doing. If it's real, real bitter cold, you may see a little bit of it back off, but please don't anybody think that they're migrating and they're not there anymore. They just may be staying where it's warm, just like you stay in your house more than you do in the wintertime when you've got three feet of snow and it's below zero. I'd like to actually echo that and amplify on it with something that uh, Swan Lake Bigfoot was talking about on his channel. Well, it's fall, they're up in Canada, it's starting to get cold, and as it goes into the colder months, the activity level tapers off. And when you get days where it's like below 10 and below, they just don't even show up. Yeah. It starts getting warmer, there'll be some activity, and it gets fairly nice, they're all over the place again. And we've experienced the same thing. We spent an entire winter on a nice active research area on the Blackfoot River. There was either me, Tom, or both of us there every single night. There was at least one of us there for most of the winter until into March. And the activity level was just like non-existent. Yeah. Uh, up until December, we had some, and then that was it. Yeah. I want to, too, real quick before we go to break, because I'll be gone. I had told a couple people that I would give them my email. It's R L lowercase R L Y N N E and then a period F O R E S T P E O P L E at gmail.com. Perfect. Robin McRae, thank you for an awesome show. Super Duke will be back right me. after Swamp Dweller. Yep. We got a great hour three coming up, including encrypted Dave 101 tonight. Hour three of Space Out Radio. All right, we are clear. Uh, quick question okay. here from Co Create Happy before you go. Do you know where they go through the portals and where they're originally from? <clears throat> I'll, I'll let you guys can, talk, talk they, with the audience. I'll be they right can back. go anywhere they want to go in these portals. I mean, all they have to do is focus on where they want to go and it takes them. They can go anywhere they want. They can go through any dimension they want. If they want to go back up into space, they can get on ships and go. They don't need a portal for that. But they can go through any dimension, any plane, or any location that they want through a portal. I mean, do, do you want to answer add to that at all? Hey, with me, I don't know anything about portals. All I know <laughs> is the ones that are uh, stationary, stay away from them, and ones that float around randomly are incredibly dangerous. If you walk through yeah. them, God knows where you'll end up if you survive. Yep. So, yeah, weird shimmery pools in the air and stuff. Don't go in. Yeah, they focus where they want to go, and it gets them where they want to go. They've told me that multiple times. 
Yeah, again, this speaks to that some of them can do a lot of weird things and other ones just don't really have that much in the way of abilities. And I don't know if people think about this, but Bigfoot on the totem poles and stuff are always associated, um, just like any other animal has an attribute it's associated with. You know, coyotes, are their attribute is to be wily and tricky. And uh, mm -hmm. eagles, you know, with their attribute and so on and so forth. And then they've got thunderbirds and they've got Bigfoot that they put on their totem poles. And the attribute associated with Bigfoot is honesty. Yep. Think about they that for a second. Why would it be out of all the different things you could have, you know, giant size, super strength, awesome speed, anything else, but they're associated with honesty. Think about it now. Here's why. They all have mind speak. If you can read somebody else's mind, they can't lie to you. You know mm -hmm. they're lying automatically. They won't even understand the concept of lying until they have communication with humans and go, wait, that isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can lie to each other? What the hell's wrong with you idiots? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a break here for a second. Thanks, Robin. And, yep, and I'm going to pop that, to everybody. Good night. That problem with that other being that was messing with our friend's friends. Yeah. Uh, they... He got his head twisted off. Okay, good. Because I haven't talked to her tonight. I told her, let me know, and I would, you know, get involved. Yeah, so. really bad. A really bad cryptid bites the dust. That's a short version good. of that one. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Good night. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. How we all doing, people? Wasn't Robin amazing? Give me two seconds. Sorry, I had to blow my nose.
Yeah, Robin was amazing tonight. Robin is R O B I N McCray M C C R A Y. What a good show. Very happy with this one. Very happy. We got 20 seconds. Thank you to T2E, Eddie, Steppenwolf, Amy, Vash, the Impaler, Steve, UAP, David, and Co-Create Happy for the amazing Super Chats. We very much appreciate uh, the love and support that you guys give us on a nightly basis, so thank you. Hi, Greg from Bangkok. How are you, buddy? Nice to have you here. Here we go with Hour 3. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with hour number three on Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. We want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Undercroft. Undercroft is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. In the early summer of 2020... My girlfriend Kayla and I decided to go camping. We had only been going out for a few months at this point, and before I had met her, I was very enthusiastic about trying to complete a section of the Appalachian Trail hike. I never got much farther than acquiring a full backpack of gear and all the essentials, like a tent, cookware, etc. But I had everything we could need for camping for a day or two, so we got some steaks and some beers and walked out into the woods. I had chosen a place for us to hike. It wasn't too far from my parents' house where I had grown up, so we parked my car at their house and my dad drove us to the end of the dirt road about 10 miles away from home. 
so we wouldn't have to leave a car there overnight so that someone would know exactly where to find us if they needed to start a search in any case of emergency. I told my dad that I would get in touch with him around noon the next day to let him know if we wanted to stay another day. We said our goodbyes and began the track. I chose this trail because it only went down about three-fourths of a mile and reached a beautiful stream with a dilapidated sawmill that made for a significant trail marker. Unfortunately, I had lost my phone somewhere along that trail between the old road and the sawmill, but I didn't realize it until we had set up the campsite already. When we reached the broken-down sawmill, we straddled the stream to the left and kept it along, so we didn't get lost. This wasn't a popular camping site by any means. I wasn't honestly sure if I was even allowed to be there, but I was familiar with the area growing up there. My friends and I would swim that stream growing up all the time. We eventually reached a clearing right next to the stream and set up our tent on the sloping ground. Without realizing it, we got our fire going with a lighter, cracked some beers, and waited until we were hungry to begin cooking. Unfortunately, we hadn't prepared much for wasting time out there, so we eventually started cooking out of boredom. Oh, and we went back to search for my lost phone and found it. Spirits were still a little low from the combination of lethargy, sweating, bugs, and the search for the phone. And cooking didn't go well, either, honestly. We ran out of beer very quickly, having not brought enough, but having our wits about us at night may have paid off. We were both freezing at night and had trouble sleeping in our slant. Our heads were ever so slightly lower than our feet, and looking back, I'm not sure why we didn't just spin around. We heard the usual sounds everyone would listen to when camping in the woods at night. It's almost like you have superhuman hearing when sleeping in the woods alone or maybe just without a gun. I lay awake most of the night, half listening to sounds and half imagining them, I'd assume. Then, I was woken up by Kayla climbing over the top of me to get to the tent door. She had to use the bathroom. My phone said it was about 5am, so Kayla left the tent and did her business, and I tossed a little before getting out of the sleeping bag to check the fire. Kayla and I met at the fire, which was almost just embers at this point and I started stoking it with the firewood. I had gathered the previous night. We decided to sit on a log that was our makeshift bench and huddle with a blanket for a while. As we silently watched the fire, I heard the first snap, a quiet but distinct snap of a twig off to our right. About 40 feet away behind some brush, my head shot over and stared in the direction for a good minute, but I was also convinced from hearing things all night that a twig snapping might not be something to worry about. We sat at the fire some more, but it was still virtually pitch black besides the 15-foot fiery luminescence from our camp. Some time had passed and I heard another branch snap, but this time it was off more to the front of us. This time I stood up and looked out because if it's in front of us that means it's moving. Across the campfire was a very steep hill that spanned a reasonable distance, with a stream to our back. We were in the middle of a valley, and I scanned the side of the hill trying to see anything. I heard one more snap and this time I told Kayla to get into the tent, close it and grab my hunting knife. I think her getting up quickly might have spooked what was stalking us. Suddenly I could see, slowly creeping in the horizontal line about 40 to 50 yards up the hill, was some very bright and beady eyes with a long bushy tail. I immediately knew that this was a mountain lion. I wish I could have just run into another black bear, it would have been so much easier. I was terrified, but even more so. I was aggressively ready to defend this woman I dragged into the woods to have a mediocre time with. I yelled to Kayla, Holy crap, it's a mountain lion. 
I threw my arms up and began grunting as loud as possible. I picked up a hatchet I had brought to chop wood and began slamming it into our log, trying to look as terrifying and as large as possible. I may have even grabbed firewood still lit for protection in any case that it got closer. Ultimately, I was fortunate enough to watch the mountain lion retreat up the hill, probably pissed off that its cover was blown. Nevertheless, I stood there slamming my hatchet around and trotting the camp's perimeter for almost two hours until the sun was fully up. I thought we were safe, enough to start packing at least. We called my dad at 7am, and thankfully he was already awake. He couldn't sleep at night because he just felt wrong. We stood there watching the forest until he picked us up at the end of the road. The adrenaline didn't wear off until I was back in my car, ready to go home. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, bringing us some creepy spookiness from the forest around North America. Swamp Dweller is here every Monday through Friday night to kick off hour number three. And you can go and listen to thousands of his stories for free by going to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. All right, let's get to the Super Duke and the Cryptid Report, as we only got Duke till the bottom of the hour. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. What do you got for us tonight, my friend? Well, first of all, question going around in the chat room. Everybody's saying, what do you call a group of Bigfoot? You know, you got your uh, pod of whales, murder of crows. It's a bluster of Bigfoot. Bluster. Bluster is the word. And Tracy in chat, shout out to her. She mentioned uh, Jimmy Church's show earlier. If you guys missed it, go check it out. He just got back from Egypt and he got some really great pictures and video and he's got to access some places people don't usually get to go to and got to film there. And he got to do a walk around on the Sphinx when there was basically nobody else except for him and his little group there. And he became the world's probably one of the few ever world's um, Sphinx proctologists. And I don't know if it has. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, first of all, your work ethic is going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Have plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with Orca coolers and drinkware. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class temperature retention. Orca's premium drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours. Their tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code 15 for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code 15 to do with his his love of aliens and anal probing 
but he he anal probed the Sphinx, Dave. I'm not kidding. If there's a secret compartment in the back of the Sphinx, which somebody else actually snuck in at one point and posted pirate video, you're not supposed to go in there. But he found the grate for it, moved it out of the way, shoved his camera in there, and got some video of it. So there you go. Jimmy Church is now a Sphinx proctologist. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Very awesome stuff. Well, anyway, what I got tonight is a... Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to bring up something that a lot of us old farts saw, the, saw it to death a million times when we were kids, but some of the younger people have probably never seen it. And it's about to be um, reissued again. Walmart's turning out a new updated, upgraded, better sound, better video, picture, blah, blah version of it. Um, and so let's dive into it from the perspective of renowned Bigfoot uh, author Lauren Coleman and take a journey to Boggy Creek. Something shocking happened in 1972. A drive-in Bigfoot movie became a surprise moneymaker. The movie was The Legend of Boggy Creek. Released in 1972 and out for the first time on DVD in 2002. Upgraded version out now. Although people around the Boggy Creek area have been seeing Bigfoot-type creatures since the 1940s, their encounters in the late 60s and then especially in 1971 received a good deal of press attention. The six-foot-tall Harry Falk monster uh, gained notoriety when it harassed two families, the Fords and the Crabtrees. More on the Crabtrees later. Living outside Falk, Arkansas, population 600. In the southwest part of the state, the monster was said to smell awful and apparently made a habit of killing chickens, dispatching livestock, and mauling a number of dogs. Director Charles B. Pierce decided to use real eyewitnesses, which is mostly the crab trees, and the actual locations near Boggy Creek to recreate Falk's experience with their local monster. The docudrama or semi-docudrama thriller became a smash success, a cult classic. Although it was a scripted movie, the spooky footage of the river bottoms, fog, and vegetation along the Boggy Creek make for a captivating and, for most filmgoers, scary setting. And keeping in mind that these events had all happened recently, and they filmed them exactly where they happened. So that added to the authenticity greatly. The ter terrifying encounters were recreated quite realistically, even though the movie budget is reflected in its almost amateur feel to the filmmaking. It's more like a uh, Blair Witch type thing, to give it more modern-day uh, basis. The Based on True Stories tagline only reinforces the wonder generated by the film. Between the lonely piercing cry of the monster and the eerie music, the auditory experience from the film is haunting too. For example, these ling lingering lyrics by Earl E. Smith, 72, walk through the theater as the audience's attention drifts over the swampy bottoms. Here the sulfur river flows, rising when the storm cloud blows. This is where the creature goes, lurking in the land he knows. Perhaps he dimly wonders why. Is there no other such as I? To love to touch before I die, to listen to my lonely cry. The impact of The Legend of Boggy Creek was far-reaching. A couple of modern reviews from the Internet gave more than a hint of its significance. Quote, Bigfoot was and still is a celebrity because of this movie, exclamation mark, unquote. And this may be the movie that made Bigfoot a national star. A self-published book by Smokey Crabtree entitled Smokey and the Falk Monster in 1974 followed the film, giving another point of view of the events portrayed in the movie. Crabtree wrote that director Pierce didn't invest anything and had millions to gain. 
Smokey and I lectured from the same podiums in Ohio and Texas in recent years, and he's still talking as if it all happened yesterday. Crabtree, whom I sincerely like, may not admit it, but the movie More Than the Monster changed his life. He never saw the Falk Monster, but he made a career out of lecturing about the movie. The movie also created a whole new generation of dedicated Bigfoot hunters, young people between the ages of 10 and 13 who were first attracted to Bigfoot research in the 70s speak of the legend of Boggy Creek as the source of their passion in the subject. In his 1988 book, Big Footnotes, Daniel Perez wrote, quote, My personal interest in monsters was first ignited at about the tender age of 10 by the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek. This was the trigger which led to casual to casually serious to serious full-fledged involvement in the subject matter. Maryland Bigfoot Reference Guide author Mary Upsasnick notes this movie inspired his interest, excuse me, Mark Upsasnick notes this movie inspired his interest in Bigfoot at the age of 11. Ditto for cryptozoology artist Bill Rebsamen, who told me I was about 10 years old when I saw it. I was immediate. I went immediately to the library the next day and checked out all the books I could find on Bigfoot after seeing the movie. And Chester Moore Jr., Texan outdoors journalist and author of Bigfoot South 2002, writes, Seeing the legend of Boggy Creek lit my interest in the Bigfoot phenomenon to a full-blown passion. While the Pacific Northwest seemed a world away to me, Arkansas did not. The impact it had on me as a youngster was immense. Many people in the current organization, the Texas Bigfoot Research Center, TBRC, including Monica Rollins, Robert Dominguez, Tim Clay, Rick Hayes, and Jerry Heestad, told me that they had seen the movie in their youth, and it had been the one thing that brought them into the field. TBRC director Craig Wolheater said, it sealed the deal for me. The Legend of Boggy Creek was also the entry point for crypto fiction author Lee Murphy and for Chad Austin, president of Interactive Pilot Incorporated. A smash hit, The Legend of Boggy Creek spawned two sequels, Return to Boggy Creek, Tom Moore, 1977, and Boggy Creek 2, The Legend Continues, Charles B. Pierce, 1985, and thus the latter is actually the third movie, although the second from Pierce. Following the footprints of Pierce's movie, Creature from Black Lake, Joy and Hulk Jr., 1976, was filmed at Caddo Lake, and there's lots of sightings there. There's actually a gathering there um, this weekend, as was the legend of Boggy Creek. Creature from Black Lake was about a group of men searching for Bigfoot in nearby Louisiana, and that's a really cool movie, too. Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot, 1978, with great footage from the Three Sisters Wilderness in Oregon, was patterned after The Legend of Boggy Creek, mixing allegedly real-life incidents with scary scenes of Bigfoot attacking people. So now you know where all the Bigfoot B-movies came from in the 60s and 70s. The era of Bigfoot movies was capped with the capture of Bigfoot the Capture of Bigfoot, Bill Rebane, 1979, where he, we find a town that was has exploited Bigfoot for tourist dollars and is upset by a local businessman who hopes to trap Bigfoot once and for all so he can make the big bucks all at once. Of course, the film was a box office disaster. The image of Bigfoot in these motion pictures harks back to woman kidnapping, upright hairy beasts in the Yeti movies, but with a twist. These Bigfoot are even more violent. From Bigfoot 1970 through all the Boggy Creek movies and clones, one finds a decidedly vicious, aggressive Bigfoot. This cinematic Sasquatch only slightly reflects what was actually happening across the country with real Bigfoot reports during this time of high strangeness. Bigfoot, especially in the Pacific Northwest, 
continued to be mostly reported in nonviolent encounters and through footprint finds. Bigfoot may scare people at the movies, but not really in the woods or near their country homes. Nor, it should be noted, did the Hollywood Bigfoot movies lead to a rash of real Boggy Creek-type creature sightings in most places in North America. So getting back to what I was saying earlier, uh, the crab trees, a lot of the activity that happened that was documented was going on either on their property or nearby it. And uh, as luck would have it, when they were putting the movie together, recently released from the Marine Corps, Keith Crabtree showed up. And Keith just happened to be in excellent physical condition because just got out of the Marine Corps and also was really tall <laughs> and big. And they went, hey, Keith, want to wear a Bigfoot suit? And he went, okay, what's it pay? Well, as it turned out, he was there for every single scene in the movie. If he wasn't wearing the Bigfoot suit, he was running the fog machine. He actually did uh, the one stunt driving scene that they needed where a car was going out of control with crazy stunt, stunt driver. That was him. And uh, there was another scene where there's like three guys walking down the road, and he's the tall one of the three. <laughs> so, again, this is like super low budget. And they had a lot of the actors are just the local people that – these incidents happen to, which kind of makes it a lot more believable because they're in the spot where it happened. They've got the people it happened to playing the part of themselves. You don't need to be much of an actor to do a good job at that point. No. And it comes across. It really does come across. I don't know. Have you seen it before, Dave? No, I've never seen the movie. Oh, you've got to watch it. It's, it's great. It's like, you know, classic B movie type Bigfoot, low budget, except the thing here is that this, what happened in this town is that there was so much of this stuff going on and they were getting ridiculed by everybody else for reporting it. And they just got sick of it and said, screw you guys. We're going to do a movie about this. And we're going to, I don't care if we have a budget or not, we'll get a director. We'll do a movie about this. And we're going to let you guys know what's really going on down here. And again, it was a runaway smash hit. I remember when I was a teenager seeing it and going like, ah, <laughs> that doesn't look like what I seen either, but that's equally scary. <laughs> So anyway, getting back to the movie itself and uh, Keith Crabtree, the guy that wore the, the Bigfoot suit, Keith is still very much alive. Keith was actually up here visiting me in Montana last month. We went camping at my favorite research area. And as I already related once on the show, he had a Bigfoot tickle his feet while he was there. Oh, jeez. So I'm going to be having Keith on my show shortly talking about his adventures up here. And we'll be showing all the video that we filmed while he was here. Keith is now very elderly. He's in very bad shape. He has to, uh, he's got a pacemaker. He has to check his blood pressure, pulse rate, uh, all that you know, oxygen level constantly. So it's really tough for him to go camping or anything, but he still managed to do it. And, uh, we got him to walk about a hundred yards off the trail, which took about, uh, an hour <laughs> to walk a hundred yards off the trail and back. Cause like we're at high altitude and he's got to stop about every 30 feet and rest for a minute and a half and get his pulse rate down so he can walk another 30 feet. Right. So randomly I got him going in the right direction. Cause I'm like, there's usually activity over here. Sure enough. He finds, he thinks he finds a Bigfoot track coming down a sand embankment. And he's right. It was a Bigfoot track. And I went, I looked on the hillside up above it. Cause I'm a lot more mobile than him. Found another track, same size coming down a game trail. It was obviously from the same individual, but I also found one from a smaller individual going uphill. 
So when I came back down, I looked at the sand embankment. Keith's still standing there getting his breath ready to embark on the track back again. And then I, I looked at it and I went, Keith, you didn't find one track. You found four. There's one coming down. Look over here next to it on the right-hand side. There's three going up. It's a sand embankment. They just shove their toes in and go straight up. And the front of the foot was exactly the same size as the smaller track that I found above it on the hill going up. So I'm like, look, dude, you just found four tracks. Excellent. Good job. You know, he was all grins. So other than that, his his big fun time was the first night that we got there. We were sitting in camp, and he's looking across the river in the darkness. And the moon had come up. So you could kind of see outlines of everything, but between boulders and trees and stuff, it's hard to figure out what you're looking at sometimes. And he goes, Duke, is there something over there moving? And I'm like, what are you looking at? And he points and he's like, this one spot over here. I'm like, well, this is a spot where there's three big boulders and there's a tree next to it. So it's kind of hard to tell. And I go, just keep your eyes on it and see if it moves around. A couple, a couple more times he tells me, Duke, it looks to me like it's moving. And I said, okay, well, here's one way to be sure. Just make sure wherever you're sitting right now when you get up in the morning, sit in the same place and look across the river to the same spot and see if it's still there. Okay. So, of course, when he got up and looked in the morning, it wasn't there. It wasn't there the afternoon. It wasn't there the next night. It wasn't there the whole time that we were camping. It wasn't there again. So when we got back, I asked Robin about it, you know, because I'm suspicious as I'll get out that, yeah, there was actually a Bigfoot sitting there staring at him. We just showed up. It's just the two of us, right? And this is their, we know their, they know we were coming because Robin told them. And, you know, Robin actually uses them as an early warning system because where we do our research, there is no cell phone signal. So she contacts them to make sure we got there safely. So she's literally mind speaking with one of them as, as, as that's going on, just about Dave. And it's going, yeah, I can see Duke over there. There's some other guy with a hat. What's he doing? Staring at me. You sure it wasn't Eric with a K? <laughs> nope. I love your stories, Duke. Keep up they the they great- hide from Eric. <laughs> Keep up the great work at World Bigfoot Radio. Coming up next, it's the Dave 101. We're going to talk some Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Then Shirky Poo has the news. Space Out Radio continues right after this. We're clear. (laughs) Yeah, that was hilarious. Are they over there yet? Well, yeah, Duke's over there. There's some other guy there. What's he look like? The guy with a hat. What's he doing? Staring at me. <laughs> they literally stared at each other for like 45 minutes. Jesus. He's staring at Keith, trying to figure out what to make of him. And Keith is staring back, trying to figure out if it's a Bigfoot or just a shadow. That's hilarious. Well, it keeps moving. It's probably not a shadow. <laughs> oh, my God. That was some good humor. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Well, they must have liked him because it was the next night they came over right as I'm going to, to sleep. They didn't wait for me to go to sleep. They're walking by my tent waking me up. And next thing you know, they're over there messing with Keith, and they untie his little drawstring at the end of his, his <laughs> makeshift tent, open it up, and start playing with his feet, trying to tickle his feet. He's lucky they didn't pick up his tent. <laughs> well, it was a truck. He's laying in a truck bed with the tailgate down, gotcha. and he tarped off the end of it, and then he tied the tarp shut with a piece of twine. So like, unless you got fingers and you can untie a knot, you're not getting it open. No. Gee whiskers. Now, before we left, I had to go over and leave him some more goodies. So I picked up the, 
debris they had left from the previous visit when I was up there with Eric a few weeks earlier. And we had like bags of apples and containers of peanut butter and everything was still there. They left all the containers there, including the two jumbo sized peanut butter containers, which when I brought them back, I showed one to Keith and I went, hey, Keith, take a look at the inside of this peanut butter container. What's it look like to you? And he goes, there wasn't any deer that ate this. You can see the fingerprints. Like, yeah, two giant fingerprints scooped the peanut butter out. You can still see it on the inside of the container. Nice. So he liked that, too. Yeah, I've still got them, by the way. They're sitting in the room with me. I like your new studio, dude. Yeah, me too. I Shout out to Eric, who's, who <laughs> likes your, your third favorite show. We're number five. He gave me this. We're number five You're now. Number five. <laughs> and, and, and rising with the bullet. Uh, he gave me this cool shad, uh, cool hat here that's got the uh, world champion, hide-and-seek champion since 1967. Eric's so a good shout guy. shout-out to Eric for the cool hat, yep. Even though he spells his name with a K. Yep. And he's on my show on Sunday. Uh, he's got a whole bunch of stuff from a cool conference he was at that he had permission to post. And then we're going to be talking about his trip up here when he had uh, invaders and the Valley of the Giants and also the trip over to the Megaliths. Very cool. So it'll be very cool. Very cool. We got lots of video to show. Lots of cool stuff. UFOs and Bigfoot. Right on, Super Duke. Well, uh, I'm going to let you go because I know you got to get off to bed here. No, actually, I got to jump on computer B so I can catch your amazing uh, Super Dave tirade. Oh, yeah. Never want to miss him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tonight it'll be good. Super Dave, Super, Super Dave, Dave, Super, Super Dave. Dave. <laughs> He's the Super Super Dave you've ever seen, Super Dave. Oh, oh, you're just bringing a tear to the old eye there, man. Bringing a tear to the eye. That's what you do. That's why you're part of my matrix. And there he goes. Just disappears. Super Duke. I did not see Stevie Greer on Kurt J. Mungle. <clears throat> Mr. Eon, the voice of the gods, how are you? How's the hair? It's the first time in like two years I've worn a ball cap. Well, no, I have previous, but man, it feels good to wear a hat again. Especially a very winning hat like my New York Yankees. Bring it on, baseball people. Bring it on. I don't mind that debate. Excuse me. has been bugging me all night. I did buzz the hair, Mr. Eon. A uh, big thank you to T. Tui, Eddie, Steppenwolf, Amy, Vash, Steve, UAP, David, and Co-Create Happy for the Super Chats. 
wonderful way to support what we do. And, of course, you can go shopping on our website, spacedoutradio.com. Here we go, guys. Third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again for me to give my opinion, get my appetite for destruction ready, as it's Dave 101 time. Why? Well, there's no reason to. Have plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with Orca coolers and drinkware. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class temperature retention. Orca's premium drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours. Their tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code 15 for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code 15. Hey, Seaspire Country, circle up. Inflation has hit us hard, so here's what we're going to do. We're giving you 12 months of free service on any new line. Together, we're fighting back with our best deal in wireless history. We call it Inflation Retaliation. Get your wireless plan free for 12 months with any new line activation. Because in Seaspire Country, we look after our own. Requires new line activation and 36-month service obligation. Early termination fee applies. See Seaspire.com for details. But I'm just trying to be the kind of guy that I am in getting myself back into shape. But that has nothing to do with the Dave 101 for tonight. Let's get right to it, everyone. Let's get right to the point of Sasquatch. You know, one of the things that we need to be doing when we go out in the field is we need to be more cognizant of the creatures that are around us. And how we do that is by using and learning from people who really, really know their stuff. See, one thing about me is I'm not an outdoorsman. I'm not somebody who grew up hunting. All my food came from the supermarket, maybe much like yours. But there are very much dangerous spots anywhere in this world when you are out in the forests or the jungles. 
It's very fun going out looking for cryptids. I have a blast with it. It's a hobby because you never know what you are going to see. And for those who do believe in Bigfoot, even those who don't, it's very much an exhilaration that is very much hard to describe. When we saw the creature on Saturday night, it was a rush. We were all jumping for joy. We were all wondering, was it really what we saw? Really, did we see a Sasquatch? Well, yes. Yes, we did. The skeptical part of us says we had to go back. We had to learn about what we were going to see, what we were going to encounter. Were there any footprints? Were there any hand prints? Were there any uh, samples of hair? Were there any scat patches? No, 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 no. And the prints we found were in a completely different area. That goes along with the mystery of this creature. It goes along with the mystique that it has. Whether you believe it's an animal, whether you believe there's something supernatural to it, it's irrelevant. The fact is, when you go out in the forest, are you putting yourself into a position where you just may see the hairy creature? Look, I've now seen it three times. I want to see it again. I want a nice daylight encounter. You know, I want it all. Much like a bridezilla on her wedding day. She wants it all, and I want it all in the forest. I am the forest bridezilla. Hey, why not? I can admit to that. Let's have some fun here. But the idea that we had witnesses along with just me, was amazing. My buddy Mark, my buddy Mike, my little boy, who all saw this creature that night. When you go searching, though, do you know what to do? I'm learning very quickly that I don't. I just went and bought two new flashlights because, silly me, we're going out there at night. I don't even have a flashlight that lights things up. You know, maybe 10 feet and then nothing. Do you have safety gear? Do you have first aid? Band-aids, wraps, bandages, medical tape, scissors, nail clippers, whatever it may be. Are you prepared for anything? Because... It could be extremely dangerous out there. And that's just the plantations and the trees. Do you know your area and what lives in it? Outside of the Sasquatch, the most dangerous creature we saw that night was a muskrat. But we also know in that area... There's grizzly bears, black bears, 1,500-pound moose, deer, elk, wolves. There's a wolf pack in the area. There's coyotes. There's mountain lions, bobcats, lynx, badgers, and, of course, muskrats. And if you don't know how to react to those creatures... 
or what you would do in case they came out, then you're putting yourself in a very dangerous spot. You see, wild animals don't like us in their territory. They're curious. They come up and say, hey, what are you doing here? Get off my lawn. It's exactly what it's like. Do you carry bear spray? Maybe a gun. Sasquatch, though, doesn't like guns. Personally, I feel that they can smell with their very high sense of smell that we assume that they have. I believe that they can smell gunpowder. And over time, they have learned that gunpowder equals danger. We all go in the forest. How do we know how to protect ourselves? Me? I'll be honest with you, first first and foremost, I don't. And that's what scares me about going into the forest. What scares me is I don't have my firearms license. What scares me is what do I do to protect my son in case something comes at us? Is my rifle bring, big enough once I get a rifle? If I'm allowed by that time, but that's another political conversation for another political conversation day. For us, because we're unarmed, we have to do the bare essentials. We don't wander off from our vehicle that far. We never lock the doors. We always put the keys in the same place. And the good part about today's vehicles, you can leave your keys in the vehicle and the doors don't lock behind it. That is a beautiful thing. You have to be able to protect yourself. And if the feeling isn't right, if you feel that something is off, if the weird sensations are really making you question whether or not you should be in that area, please follow your instincts. Leave. Get the hell out of there. Because you don't know what is going on. You don't know what could be stalking you. You don't know if it's a sick animal that is going to attack you because you're an easy prey. Because when we enter their world, we're not the apex predator. They are. And they got us by the cojones if they want. You have to know your area. You have to know your exit. You need to know your safety. And you need to be able to be prepared. And the other thing, bring quality shoes. You have no idea how important a good pair of shoes are. So if you're heading into the forest, ladies, don't wear heels. Don't wear sandals or flip-flops. Men, don't wear flip-flops or Crocs or any type of untied running shoe or dress shoe. Wear something that you can use for all seasons. A hiking boot. The shoe should have tread in case you're climbing or going downhill. 
Okay, use proper footwear. Now, like I said, I'm no expert of the forest. I'm just an experiencer. I'm not even a researcher. I don't take pictures because I always forget. But always have a camera with you. Always know the direction you are in. Learn west, north, east, and south. Very kind of important to know your direction. Know that the sun sets in the west and the moon rises from the east. These all sound like basic questions, but the one thing that the forest isn't is it's not forgiving. The forest will chew you up, spit you out, or even eat you before you even know it. Now, that isn't to scare you from going into the forest. It's about being protected. Because if you want to find Sasquatch, you don't need to go high up into the mountains. You don't need to walk over dangerous riverbeds. You don't need to go into certain areas that you're not comfortable with. All right. All you have to do is find an area, and all it takes is one little, little tidbit of information. Whether it's somebody's sighting that you trust, whether it's your own, maybe you find a footprint like we did, and that's where you set up shop. Because eventually, they will have to cross you and cross your path. It doesn't have to be difficult. As long as you are in an area where you are comfortable, you don't need to go trail hopping. You don't need to go walking for miles. Some people choose to because they want to get right away from civilization. Like Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio when he heads up to his mountainous spot. Or Nate and Corey from... Washington, Idaho, Bigfoot search when they go up into their mountains. When I go into my forest, I just know the place. Use your own intuition. Does it feel like there's something around? Does it feel like you're going to get action? Look on the ground. See what kind of predatory footprints are out there or animal footprints. One of the most important things you can do is learn the animal footprints. The difference between a moose that is male and the moose that is female. The difference between the deer, male or female. The difference between a grizzly bear pad and a black bear pad. And if you see a cougar print, well, be on alert. Because the cougar will always see you before you see it. And that's what we believe with Sasquatch, too. The other thing is, try and be as routine as possible. Park your vehicle in the exact same spot. If you're not wearing cologne, don't wear cologne. If you wear cologne, wear it every time. Look like you're having fun. Sing some songs. Laugh a little. Intrigue them, because what we do know about Sasquatch is they seem to be very curious creatures. 
That's where the flashlights come in as it goes to night. So that way you can look for eye shine. Look up in the trees. Because Sasquatch may not just be on the ground. And looking up in the trees could also save you from a bear or, more importantly, a mountain lion attack. These are all the little things that you need to learn and take very, very serious umbrage with in case something happens. So be safe out in the forest. Enjoy it for what it's worth because it is a lot of fun out there. It is refreshing to be one with nature. And if you're just lucky enough, you get to be one with Sasquatch as well. That is your Dave 101 for tonight. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment below. Question? Tell me what you think. When are you going next for Bigfoot? Let me know. Here's Shirky Poo's News. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News. All right, let's get right to it. Here's a weird one right out of Brazil where a bride went all out in order to get the look that she wanted for her big day. Lorena Mendez even glued her ears to the back of her neck with a strong adhesive, according to beautician Mee Martins. Today's bride, she said on Instagram, asked for a high bun, but I didn't want her ears to show. Martins captioned her video in the clip, which has over 20 million views, Martin showcased a small tube of 3-Bond Super 1000 glue before popping its top off and lathering up the back of the bride, Lorena Mondez's ear, with the adhesive. Martins then pressed the sticky flesh onto Mendez's head, holding the ear in place that it would remain stabilized. Martin said the women had been using glue on ears for years. Reactions were mixed on social media, with some cheering the move, and others saying, whoa, hey, that's way too much glue. Way too much. Either way, Bridezilla, do us a favor. It's not just your day. It's yours and your husband's day. And I know you want to look your best. You want to feel like a princess because you deserve it. And you will. But gluing your ears is not going to make a difference. Your husband is not marrying you because your ears stick out. He's marrying you because he loves you. And maybe wants to squeeze your butt or something. I don't know. Just go with it next time. Stay away from the super glue. Just works better. I think you'll agree with that one. Here's a weird one. A woman was captured on video acting quite foolish at Disney World. The woman in question can be seen pushing an actor dressed in full Chewbacca costume at Disney World before being led away by a staffer. TikTok user Maria is the lucky one who caught the video. She filmed the incident at Hollywood Studios in Disney World on September 22nd, showing the woman approach Chewbacca and Rey, another Star Wars character. Because of that, we might have to leave the area, the actor playing Ray said to the crowd. So good to see you all. When a grown adult ruins the experience for kids because she thought it would be funny, Maria wrote on her wall, 
which has been uh, viewed over 3 million times. Poor kids stood there confused when Rain and Chewbacca walked away, she said. Disney World's policy on guests interacting with characters is clear that hugs, high fives, and photo ops are permitted, but acts of aggression or violence in any capacity are strictly prohibited inside the parks. Namely, you know, what is this Karen thinking here? Okay, who does that, walks up to Chewbacca, who's in a row uh, of kids, about to go shake some kids' hands, maybe give these kids hugs or high fives, and then Karen decides to crack him in the back with an illegal body check. She's gone for five in a game, probably tossed out of the park, hope she was. I just don't understand this, why people have to do that. Here's a scary one. A new killer costume that's popular for Halloween this year? Everybody wants to dress up like Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer's ignominious deeds when he killed 17 men in violent crimes involving rape, dismemberment, and cannibalism and kept body parts as trophies have been under the microscope thanks to the Netflix series Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, Grizzly details of his crimes have now reached a very large audience, and the end result seems to be the same weird fascination with infamy that elevated Charles Manson and others to cult status. Yeah, apparently, though, stores are getting lots and lots of questions regarding the Jeffrey Dahmer Halloween costume. Do you sell it? Do you not? One woman, Sophia Casanova, said, uh, noting that she was reposting the photo after the platform had been taken down, dressed as the serial killer, getting his mugshot taken, she wrote, posting as Dahmer again because it got deleted. I worked too hard to be censored. Many objected to the costume, but some on social media felt those people lack a sense of humor. It's a costume, is the typical repartee. And finally tonight, a video showing a woman in a bikini coming out of a fire truck in front of a California strip club has prompted officials to order an investigation. No kidding. The video posted on Instagram shows the doors to the fire truck slowly open. The woman gingerly climbs out of the vehicle, which was parked in front of the pink poodle, a walk-in establishment. Only in San Jose do you see a stripper come out of a fire truck. The caption reads, uh, they may want to make some better decisions there. That's just me thinking that. We'll see. Hey, big thank you to Super Duke and Robin McRae for coming on in. Thank you, Swamp Dweller, for another spooky story. And all of you tuning on in tonight, we very much appreciate it. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everyone listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, Spreaker, LGAP, Facebook, Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching.
We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Hey, Seaspire Country, circle up. Inflation has hit us hard, so here's what we're going to do. We're giving you 12 months of free service on any new line. Together, we're fighting back with our best deal in wireless history. We call it Inflation Retaliation. Get your wireless plan free for 12 months with any new line activation. Because in Seaspire Country, we look after our own. Requires new line activation and 36-month service obligation. Early termination fee applies. See Seaspire.com for details. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to weather the storm. Engineered for more, new Duracell with Power Boost ingredients delivers power Gulfport can trust for the moments that matter most. Because you never know when you'll need power you can rely on to make the most out of moments that matter. So you can have peace of mind knowing Duracell is engineered for more when you need it most. Duracell, engineered for more. Versus previous copper top AA AAA. New Duracell delivers more life in some devices or more power in others than a wide range of devices.